Welcome to the 307th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on October 23rd, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this year's show. With me is the man who is got a cup who's runneth over. He's bringing a cornucopia of games today, folks. It's Carlos Rodella. That was awesome to watch that happen in real time. Well, <laughs> you thinking of the intro and then uh, nailing it, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. It's funny because uh, so peek behind the curtain, folks. We were originally going to do our spooktacular this week, um, and then we had scheduling issues, so we decided to bump it back a week because we could. And I had already pre-written a Halloween intro, and I got to the intro, and I'm like, oh, oh fuck. I forgot to rewrite the Halloween intro. So I'm going to save that one for next week. Perfect. And yes, that was me doing it on the fly. So, yes. I love it, though. It's And I do have a lot of games. Like this, normally, I'm like, you know, sometimes struggling for what we're going to talk about in the show because, you know, we both have busy lives and how, how much have we played. But this week... And I'll tell you, another behind-the-curtains thing, uh, behind-the-scenes thing, is I have a lot of games right now to talk about. I only picked, I think, three eight, or four today. But because I'm searching for my next, like, hit, because I'm waiting for Star Ocean. Yeah. And until yeah. that happens, I keep trying to find a game that will, like, fill that void. And they don't, they don't do it, unfortunately. Spoiler. Yeah. And so that's why I went through so many games this week. It's tough when you're in the mood for exactly that one thing. I mean, I know I know what you're talking about. I've been in that I'm in that mood sometimes where you you got that itch for that one thing. You want to do a specific mechanic, you want to level up a certain way, you want to build something or whatever. And if you just don't have that specific game on hand, it's just man, it's really unsatisfying. I, I get the feeling. Yeah. And so what happens today or this week is I have a million games to talk about because wow, my cup runneth over for sure. Well, excellent. That is a bonus for us and a bonus for the show. Uh, I mean, it's it's only good news, I guess. I mean, bad news for you because you haven't right. got a thing, but <laughs> it's good news good for news us. It's good news and bad so. news, yeah. There you go. Silver lining in that cloud. Um, all right, folks. Uh, let's see. Let's start some housekeeping as we normally do. Uh, everyone knows that Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. That's right. It is housekeeping. And before we dive into housekeeping, I do want to just say one thing really quickly. Um, I just want to apologize in advance to everybody. Circling back to the air quality, I know we talked about it like three or four weeks in a row, uh, but there was a couple days, maybe closer to a week maybe, where Washington State had the worst air quality on planet Earth. We yeah. were number one. And I just say this because, number one, it's raining today, which means the air is much cleaner, which is wonderful. Uh, but man, I feel like I took some damage during that time when the air was really bad. Uh, I... Uh, I had some pneumonia a couple years ago. Did I ever talk about this in the show? Did I, I mentioned this. Think so. No. Pneumonia is one of those diseases where, like, if you're watching a cowboy movie, like the sickly wife or the little girl or somebody or or the the old the old timer gets pneumonia, and then you know they lay in bed for like half the episode and then they're fine by the end of it, right? And so I never thought of pneumonia as being a big deal because it just it's not really portrayed as a big deal on TV, which I guess goes to show don't pay attention to everything you see on TV. But I actually caught pneumonia a couple years ago, and man, it fucked me up, like, really badly. Um, it did a lot of permanent damage to my lungs. I got a lot of scar tissue in my lungs, and I was so sick for, like, maybe two, three weeks in a row, like, just bedridden. It was really bad. Damn. And it was way better than it was. I mean, it was way worse than it was portrayed on those, those cowboy shows. So I say this because um, I feel like it got really exacerbated during the time when we had bad air. And so right now, I can feel my lungs are not 100%. 
And if I cough during the show, I really apologize. I don't mean to like, I don't want to have like disruptive sound and like, you know, ruin the sound of the podcast, but I'm going to do my best to like mentally suppress that cough because I got like that urge. I can just feel it. Oh, yeah. So if I if I end up coughing a bunch, I apologize, folks. I'm going to I think a couple more days of clean air and I'll be back to normal. But man, I'm. I think I'm still recovering, dude. Oh, I'm still recovering too. And what's weird is that it it affected us in two different ways. Just really quickly to talk about it, like for me, I have like intestinal issues, which I've brought to the show, unfortunately, before and talked about. But like, and I have anxiety, like 100. Um, percent And so, like anything that makes me freaked out can affect my body like immediately. And by the way, any listeners who have that same issue, you know, hit me up. Let's commiserate together. But. If I'm like feeling bad or confused or sad or anxious or whatever, it like just goes right to my insides and yeah, affects yeah. my everything. So anyway, <sighs> we had had to have our windows closed, yes. like you said, for weeks. For weeks, weeks at a time. Yeah. And sometimes I'd peek, open it up a little bit because some of the cool air would be flying by and get some oxygen. But I was just always anxious and just you know it really messed me up that way too. Um, my yeah. intestines all messed up. So yes, yeah, so we're coming out of it. It's raining for the next I think five days. Oh, God, hallelujah, man! Hallelujah. We needed it so bad. And it's funny because yeah. people still think of Seattle as being you know rainy all the time and wet. And Fraser lives here, and everybody's got a cup of coffee in their hand. And like maybe the coffee is true, but like other than that, like we have had a major climate shift. Like it barely ever rains here anymore. It's hot all the time got messed up like season so seattle is not like rainy cold gray all the time anymore like put that out of your mind like we are having climate disaster just like everybody else well and again let's move on because we bring that up i think at the beginning of every episode but to your point the other couple quick caveat before housekeeping is uh you do have your microphone and we're going to set it up for next week's episode yes yes, yes. i just thought i'd tell everybody that I apologize to everybody. Yes, the 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 uh, GoFundMe, which is now closed. There's no more donations. So thanks again to everybody who donated. Um, we did get enough money for the hard drive, the microphone, which is awesome. And I have the microphone right here. And oddly enough, I ended up being so busy with real life uh, work. And we had a couple unexpected home improvement projects, which is uh, to say that a bunch of stuff broke around my house and I had to fix it right away. So I, I didn't even take it out of the box yet. But I apologize for that. But I will have it set up for the next show. Um, so you're not hearing the benefit of your donations right now, but you will hear it next week, I promise you. And a perfect time, because next week is Halloween episode. Exactly. And we'll exactly. be able to get really sultry and creepy sounds into the microphone. Exactly, exactly. So okay. look forward to the improved audio quality next week. And again, apologies for not being more on top of it. But again, thank you to everybody who donated. No more donations, but thank you very much. And yes, new microphone imminent. All right, that's enough bullshit before we get to housekeeping. Carlos, housekeeping... Um, I have only like really one thing, but it's kind of a bigger thing. So maybe I'll go at the end. What do you got first? I have three boxes, all about the same size. One okay. is something I mentioned to you, but like um, we did the they had the Silent Hill presentation recently. Yeah, you want? I didn't have time to watch it. Um, but what what was it all about? I'll tell you the the highlights. Um, for me in general, I, I was just I'm just excited for more Silent Hill or any sort of remaster, anything you want to do. I just want to revisit that world. I think I brought this to the show a lot, but I like a horror that's more psychological. And Silent Hill 2 was such a big, huge pinnacle moment for me. Uh, even Silent Hill 1 on PlayStation, where it was like this creepy landscape and you know fog, and you didn't understand what was going on. Is it a dream? Is it real? I just love those weird worlds they, they put together. Yeah. So uh, I was excited to hear anything, and I thought it was just going to be one video, and that's it. But no, it was like... Uh, really cool presenters in like a 3D space with like fog rolling around, like they're in Silent Hill. 
Oh, that's funny. Um, and then on top of that, they showed the Silent Hill 2 uh, remake. Um, I don't know if you call it a remake or remaster. I don't know what they call them nowadays. But it's the same game, but just looks visually better, I think. Um, okay. PS5 exclusive, by the way. Okay. Interesting. For now, for now, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. That one, like Final Fantasy 16, a couple are just like exclusive, exclusive. You know, they just don't. And PC, remember, like they're doing a lot of things with PC too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anywho, uh, it looked really awesome. Uh, they didn't show much, but I was excited. Then they went on and said, "No Code, uh, developer No Code, in conjunction with Annapurna, which we love, is working on a Silent Hill uh, game called Townfall." And they didn't say anything else besides that. Is this okay? So I did hear a little bit. This is this the one that's like community driven or is that the other one no that's that's not that's the other thing that's okay. i'm getting to that okay okay so that is something well, i don't know what that is going to be okay uh, and then also silent hill movie a new silent hill movie which is probably some people listening might think that's a bad thing because they haven't done a good one yet like like actual real life feature film is what you're yeah about. because okay. they made one and i watched it and it was bad didn't they um, make two? I feel like there was two. Yeah, I was just talking to a uh, friend of the show, Steve Haskey, about this whole presentation. And he reminded me of the second one, which is, um, oh, I forgot what the name of it is. But it's like something, something 3D. Okay. Silent okay. Hill something 3D. And it's he told me it's also like insanely terrible. So mm, okay. uh, I trust him, and I, I bet you it is. And so, you know, a new movie, it might be good, but it also might be just like the first one, which wasn't awesome. Uh, then they mentioned a bunch of merch, and then they mentioned the thing you talked about, which is this kind of, I don't know, bad robots working on it too, but it's like a decision, real-time story thing, like maybe an, uh, a Netflix interactive thing. I don't know what, what yeah, it's going to be. I and everybody like you know chimes in, and it's multiplayer, and it's confusing. I don't know what that is. All right. Wait, well, and then one more thing. Oh, one more. Wow, okay. Well, one more. Exactly. I was like, what the hell? And this is the most exciting, is it Silent Hill F, which uh, they showed a bunch of like graphics and some cutscenes I think, from. And it felt like plant monsters or plant demons or something. Is this uh, another traditional Silent Hill game, or what is this? It's a full-on Silent Hill game, but a different take on it, because it looks like they were in Japan. And, it, and again, there was like plant creatures. So mm. it was like, oh, a different take on Silent Hill. Um, I mean, so that's a hell of a presentation, eh? I mean, yeah, I, I didn't see it, so I can't say firsthand, but hearing about it now, and I did pick up, like I said, uh, a couple things, basically, but I mean, it's really interesting. I don't know what to think, because I know we've all kind of lost faith in Konami over recent years, you know, their shift to like doing pachinko machines and kind of just making a lot of really bad decisions recently in terms of the game space. So I don't know if they're trying to get their mojo back or are they just trying to cash in on the Silent Hill name because it's one of the very few IPs left to them that people still have some love for. So who knows, man? I don't know. I mean, and, and truth be told, I'm not the world's biggest Silent Hill fan. So even, I know a lot of people are excited. A lot of people in my timeline are very excited, which is great. I'm happy for everybody. Uh, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines for now and we'll see. Um, I'm not the biggest, not the biggest Silent Hill guy. So. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, this isn't for you really, the presentation, but yeah. Uh, at the same time, I just was, yeah, even if it's Konami's made bad decisions, I agree a hundred percent. Um, but this is a franchise that we do like, and if the people working on it are super passionate about the games, then, you know, something cool could come out of it. So yeah, I mean, and I think what you said was exactly right. Like, I think if they do let people who care about the IP drive it rather than the bean counters up in Konami headquarters, that might be the turning point that they need. So I guess let's keep our fingers crossed that they are going to get people who actually give a shit about the franchise and that that's not another 
uh, oh, by the way, there's also a pachinko tie-in cash-in sort of thing like they did before. So. Right. And on top of that, you have like just what, what you said, like no code is working on Townfall, right? So they're doing their own thing. And then you have like fresh takes on things as well. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll so fingers see. crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, and the other little box I had was um, I went back to Orocrew. Orocrew? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Orocrew? Orocrew. I don't know if we've ever decided how you're supposed to say it. Jeez, okay. We we said we wouldn't go back until the developers um, put in a mode that was not like Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that last week's episode in case anybody missed that. Yeah. Well, I went back anyhow (laughs) because as I aforementioned, I'm looking for something to fill the void until Star Ocean gets here. Uh, I went back because it's an RPG, you know, and I was like, maybe there's a way to I can mess around with this. So I did turn it to story mode. I didn't know they had that. In terms of difficulty? Yeah. And I was like, will that do anything? Because it's still Souls-like. And it did help because the enemies went down quicker, which okay. means I didn't have, you know, just an immediate death. Um, there were still sections where you just get killed immediately, which I thought was bullshit. And then I realized you're just not supposed to go there, which is kind of shitty, but... Uh, you're supposed to go a different way. So sure. when classic you... classic Souls design is that what happens in Souls even? Oh yeah, when you go, I mean that's like like Dark Souls. I feel like Oric or 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 crew or crew. I think Jesus is aping Dark Souls one pretty heavily, and and it's pretty well known that in the first uh, bonfire, uh, I think there's like three ways to go, and everybody who went the way with the skeletons was like, ah, this game is so hard. Ah, ah, ah. Well, yeah, they they don't want you to go that way because you're totally not ready. So the skeletons oh, will, like, right. will rock you. You're supposed to go like up the hill or whatever, where there's just like a couple of bandits or whatever, you take them out, no problem. So they're trying to like, by, by, by game mechanic, tell you, you are not ready for this area. So I think that's what they're doing here. As well. I don't like it in those games. And I don't like it in this game, because if you are leveling yourself up, like I was in the um, easy mode, I want to call it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt real strong against all enemies, okay. including really big ones. And so what they do, and this is a call out again, <laughs> I don't think they're listening, but they do. They did in the first section in the castle, and then I got way farther. By the way, in this game, which okay. is crazy. Um, there's a whole like town square with a bunch of enemies in them. I can kill every single enemy, but they put these archers in the middle, and yes. it's such a bullshit move. I, I guess yeah, Souls probably had archers too. Oh yeah, they did um, for sure. But it's just a bullshit move. It's just like oh yeah, they're insta kills. Like they'll they'll shoot like four shots at a time. Which isn't even like how you shoot a bow and arrow, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like bullshit to the max. And I went in there every time, just like over and over, repeatedly, soul style. I'm like, no, I'm strong enough, and no, I, I'm not because they don't want me to be. Yeah. But what's weird is it's not even blocking anything. That's what's really weird to me. It's just like a town square of like enemies. So I, I'm still baffled by their design and their, you know, the way that they lay out their levels. I don't like it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, when I had, uh, on story mode, I got a new weapon, which made me feel much more badass. And I just was like, I got to new sections and I got to make new story choices. So I want to play that fucking game, dude. Well, you know, uh, we threw down the gauntlet to the developers last time. We, we asked them to make some changes to the gameplay that would actually support their story. The changes, uh, their, their game design doesn't make any sense in regards to the story they're trying to tell. So we... We told them we would come back to it, told them we would both play through it. That that promise still stands. But yeah, I mean, I would love to play it. I was I was kind of intrigued by what was going on. But, you know, FromSoft is FromSoft and nobody else is FromSoft. And I feel like you got to really understand what's going on. And if you don't, if you understand like the form, but not the function, you're doomed um, right, to do what right, these right. guys did, which was make a game that kind of looks like a Souls-like, but doesn't feel like one. It doesn't 
doesn't satisfy like one and doesn't even really make sense in what they're trying to do. So yeah. hopefully they will, they'll turn it around. And in fact, I even, I even told their, um, their PR agency what we did. I told them specifically we threw down the gauntlet and hopefully, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure somebody on that team, at least one person listened because if you make a game, uh, most people are very curious about what, what other people say about that game. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they listened to our comments, but I haven't heard anything back on it yet. So we'll yeah. See. Especially two podcasters who are like actually saying that they're interested in your game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, I went back because I wanted to make sure, you know, that we did our due diligence that there's not another way for us to like, uh, enjoy the game. And I was real close to coming back to this episode today and being like, no, I, I like it now or something, but yeah, they still put in those things, which again, like souls style, they come back to life. So those yeah. bow and arrow guys, even if I end up killing some of them, they'll be back the next time. And that is defeating. Yeah. Well, see, so, that's where I think they really missed a trick, right? Because just to circle back for a moment, again, we talked about this last episode, but the hook to aura crew is that your guy is the only guy. Well, it's like him. And two other, three other human beings are the only people who are immortal on the planet. And so everybody wants you to do shit for them because you're immortal. So you can do these suicide missions. You can do things that other people can't do because even if you die, you'll come back. And that's kind of a cool hook. I like that. But instead of rolling with that, they implemented like generic soul stuff to where you die. Everybody else comes back too, which makes literally no sense whatsoever. So I feel like they could have set up where they could have tougher enemies or like you said, this, this archer area. And if all you did was take out one archer and the other ones are still there, that's okay because theoretically you could come back because you're immortal, kill one archer at a time, and after four runs, the square is clear. Yep. That's a cool implementation of their story and the mechanics, but instead they went traditional souls, which makes no sense. So everybody comes back when you die, which is like, what? You guys don't even listen to your own game design, man. So. Yeah, and because, and so this is the last thing I'll say until we revisit the game, if yeah. they change it. Hope is, they do. I uh, hope they do, is that... Um, I was starting to make some choices again. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is what I enjoy. Like the choices are fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got to see like literal differences, you know, of like what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. So, man, oh, man, I'm, I got farther. Um, I'm going to put it down now again for good until uh, they change it. And if they don't, then who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just final thoughts here. I, I really think that the developers have something good on their hands. I want to be really clear about that. We're not just tearing it down to tear it down. Yeah, that's why I I'm bringing it back to I, the show. Yeah, I think you and I are both interested in it. And I think that they are letting their love of souls, their personal love of souls, get in the way of what would be a great game. Um, they're, you know, they probably want to have some kind of challenge. They probably like the way that Dark Souls feels and stuff. That's cool. But even if being immortal made this game kind of unbalanced in favor of the player, that's fine because I think your world is cool and the story is cool and playing it just for that would be fine. You don't need to like have us come to this game for challenge or for Dark Souls combat. Focus on what you do well, and you've got some really good high points here. Don't let your traditional love of souls get in the way of what you've done. I feel like you're 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 you know you're 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 shooting yourself in the foot when you really should be focusing on what you've done and supporting that instead of following in From's footsteps. So yeah. please take a look at that, take our challenge, make those fixes. We'll come back to it. We'll celebrate this game, and everybody else will like it. There you go. Uh, I have one more box, but do you want to open yours or? No, I'll go last. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I just mentioned uh, this because I saw this today. Ultima 7, one of my favorite games of all time, um, just came up when I was talking to uh, about an interview that I'm doing, which I'll tell you about later. Um, but yeah, I saw there was a documentary, a retrospective on YouTube. Uh, I just want to promote this. Ultima 7, the Blackgate retrospective review, uh, colon, one of the greatest RPGs ever, question mark. <laughs> That's the name of it. Right on. Uh, right on. The username is uh, Tyree Xu. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to do justice. How do you spell it so people can Yeah, find so it. it's T-I-E-R-Y-A-S-X-U. So that's the user on YouTube. Uh, so check it out because he did a really good job of, I mean, it spoils it. You know, so if you don't want a story spoilers, uh, I mean, this game is like what thirty years old. It's or super something? old, yeah. So yeah, but it's also just a super like cool look, and even like a different perspective than I thought of because I haven't played it for a while either, even though it's one of my favorite games. And he just reminded me of a couple of really cool things about it. One, Ultima Seven is a pretty dark game. The idea is that you're this, this avatar from all the Ultima games, which is this kind of like you know nameless, faceless person who is you, the player going into the world and becoming the avatar. And uh, in general, in the past, you've done things like uh, had to make sure you're a good person. And it was really about values and honor system and virtue. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's that, that being tied to RPG was kind of a new concept, uh, which is, you know, w- one of the groundbreaking parts of it. But Ultima 7 was like, hey, you, the avatar, has been gone for 200 years. So, like, Britannia is kind of messed up and dark now. <laughs> And you and you start the game, and it's a detective like murder mystery. Interesting. Which I I, I kind of remember, but like, it, and it's gory. Like there's like a guy who got like you know destroyed and murdered, and it was like bloody. Although it's like pixel graphics. I was gonna say, what do the graphics look like? Aren't these pretty small pixel graphics? Yeah, they're like you know three quarters view view uh, pixel you know okay. graphics. Um, and it's I mean it's for, for the time it was groundbreaking too, but. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of really cool things about it, but I just want to bring it up because, one, I think everybody should check it out because this is a huge game in history and I need more people to know about it, but also just a different take, which I hadn't thought about for a while, which is that it's a pretty dark game, and it talks about a lot of like interesting things that are kind of happening even to this day when it comes to you know humanity and, and how we treat each other and um, you know cults and stuff are in this game. So, anyways... I think it's an awesome series because, uh, or at least an awesome video. I think he's going to do more of them because it just kind of shines a light on on the different perspective of what this game is. It's not just like an RPG. Uh, it was much more mature than I even remember, and it was talking about a lot of bigger issues. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. I think that's really a quality that a lot of classic games have um, is that you can enjoy them later on. Uh, maybe in a different context or maybe you get some richness out of it that you didn't appreciate the first time or or even that what the issues it has can apply to people like 10, 20, 30 years later on down the line. Oh, yeah. Just like a yeah. good book, right? Exactly. And good book, good movie, good game. As he was going through it, this is my last thing. As he was going through it, he was talking about all these the, the darkness in the world and this cult with the, called The Fellowship. And I remember when I played it, similar to, to games today, what did Carlos do when he saw all the different factions? He just... Uh, you oh. picked one. Uh, you picked the indigenous people or whoever was the... <laughs> I, if there were indigenous people, I would have, yes. but no, there weren't. No, no, no. I, I went off and did my own thing. Oh, okay. Got right? It, yeah. I just like started stealing things from houses and seeing what you know, I, what envelope I could push and uh, killing monsters and leveling myself up. And and what's what I missed because of this retrospective is a lot of that, the story-rich stuff that was there, lots of times I would just go off and have my own adventure, you know? Yeah. But anyways, that's it. Just check it out. Uh, maybe we could put a link in the show notes for the sure. yeah the documentary. And what's right. your thing? And then we can be done. So I was thinking of uh, circling back to Mario versus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. We covered it last episode, and at that time, I was just kind of barely scratching the surface of it. I had gotten through like a world or whatever, but I still, you know, clearly could tell there was a lot more to come. Um, and we talked about maybe me giving it like a review score, which I was. I felt pretty solid at the time, but I just wanted to see more. So I figured I would 
revisit that right now. I don't know why I'm like pausing so long on my words right now. <laughs> we revisited. I don't know why I paused so go. long on that. Yes, that was not intentional. Um, but yeah, I figured I would give it back and give it like the official So Video Games review. Um, so I went back and played some more, played a bunch more. I've been playing it every night in bed, which is great because that's where I love to play the Switch. And I got to say, this game, it's solid, dude. It's solid as fuck. Like, I'm playing it, and you know how critical I am. You know I can pick apart basically anything. Yes. I can I can take the best game and find something wrong with it. And man, this game is just like so fucking airtight. Like, every time I get annoyed with it, or every time, which is which is never, and I'm trying to look for like, you know, rough edges or something, there, there just aren't any. Mm. Like, it's just, it's thoroughly polished. It's thoroughly well designed. I mean, as a quick recap for people who maybe missed last episode, uh, so this is a turn-based strategy in the vein of XCOM, but instead you're using rabbits, which are the Ubisoft kind of mascot rabbit weird things. And then you have Mario characters. You've got Mario, Princess Peach, Luigi, etc., etc. Uh, and you, you like you go in these levels that are kind of like XCOM levels. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is the first game which came out a couple years ago, I thought was already great. I mean, but at that time there was a couple things that I was like, okay, this is really good, but it could be better. And the Ubisoft developers absolutely zeroed in on all of that stuff. Like my biggest gripe, I think, about the previous game was the overworld was kind of messy and confusing and I didn't really care for it too much. Uh, I wanted just to get back to the battles. Uh, and this time around, I think the overworlds are great. They're beautiful. Um, there, there is a lot to explore, but they're not huge. And also the developers give you a map that highlight every single little, um, you know, point of interest. So mm-hmm. if you want to just get straight to it, you can just go right there and find out what's going on. They tell you what you have done, what you haven't done, what you need to do for the stuff that you don't have yet. Like if you need a certain amount of keys or something or a certain amount of points, it'll say, oh yeah, you need like nine out of 12. And so you don't waste your time going back there if you're not ready to do it. Right. And then. I mean, the graphics are so polished. The characters are all really interesting. I, I stuck with my core team of like Mario and Luigi and uh, Rabbit Peach, which is uh, a rabbit who's dressed up like Princess Peach. Of course. Uh, stuck with that for a while. But then I'm like, oh, you know, I should probably check out these other characters. And you do unlock more as you go. Uh, but I, I, I started switching around and everybody had something cool. Like I, I was... I'm not really big on the rabbits. I've, I've been very forthright about this before. I don't like rabbits in general. And this is pretty much the only game I'll ever play that has rabbits in it. Uh, but like everybody I tried was like, oh, okay, this guy does something cool. This guy's got a Frisbee that hits like everybody in circle. That's awesome. Or like, oh, this guy can deflect bullets. Like you shoot him and he punches a bullet back. Okay, that's awesome. Like I can already see like places where that would be really useful, you know? And on top of that, the movement systems are just so good. I think it really leverages uh, Mario as a franchise in conjunction with what we generally think of as XCOM. So, I mean, I've said this before, but like, for example, mobility is really a huge aspect of this game. You can move forward like a regular XCOM game, but then also you can have one character jump on top of another one and launch them really high in the air. So that not only gets you up to higher elevations, but it can also make you glide to get in back of people, to flank them, to get in in back of some other uh, cover that you might not have been able to get to. And you can also attack people when you're walking around to get like little extra hits in. You can do like a little Mario slide, like like you were going to be knocking over turtle shells or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they really leverage like the Mario franchise in like brilliant ways that have really key effects in the gameplay. Um, And I think that the difficulty levels are really great. It can be really difficult if you want it to be. It can be really easy if you want it to be. And the UI, perfect. Like, I have no problem reading all the information, leveling up my dudes. They're really flexible because if you put level up points into somebody and you're like, oh, you know, I didn't think I wanted to do that. They're like, yeah, no problem. Take it back. Do it again. Spend those points. Take them back. I love that. You can just experiment with it and try to get a good synergy or team build going. And if you're like, oh, I wish I had put one more point into Mario's stomp instead of to his run. Okay, cool. They're like, yeah, do it, man. Like, like they don't penalize you for like anything. 
And I just love that they want you to play this game. They want you to get in and experiment. And it just feels so fucking fun to play this. Like, it just... I mean, I, I, I could just gush on and on and on and on. But, like, there's literally nothing I want more out of this game that, than just, like, more levels and maybe more characters and some DLC, which I'm sure is on the way. I mean, it's like... It's basically a perfect game, as far as I can tell. So Ooh, I, almost like uh, my review of Stray, then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything that I would want as a strategy fan, as a turn-based fan, is here, and I just, I'm just like enjoying it like so much. And it's Besides, just really, yeah, the rabbits. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, that, how many, that's how true. many points does it lose from the rabbits? Okay, like? okay, that's true. I'm gonna take a point off because rabbits suck. A whole and point if, for rabbits? They they really suck, dude. But uh, but I love this game anyway. And I will say that if this game had if this game had taken out the rabbits and had put in just like all Mario characters, right? That would be kind a of Mario like a strategy game, yeah, just Mario. Yeah, yeah. The rabbits. I mean, real talk. I hate the rabbits. But okay, this game so, is so good. This game is so good. I'm still playing even with the rabbits. And the game is so good that you're going to even give it a score of. I'm going to give it an official So Video Games score of 9 out of 10. I knew it. I yeah. knew it. Real point solid. for those rabbits. I mean, I got to be I got to keep it real. <laughs> Ubisoft, I don't like those rabbits at all, but this game kicks ass. This game kicks ass every every six ways from Sunday, dude. And if you like XCOM, you like turn-based strategy, if you like the Mario franchise, uh I mean like this it's I, I struggle to encapsulate what a wonderful, marvelous experience this is and how carefully the developers have really addressed all of the, the concerns from the past. And they weren't even huge. They did a great job the first time out. Like, it was an awesome game the first time, but they really did, you know, roll up their sleeves, take a look at what didn't work, and just everything is so much better. I really appreciate that, and I really want to reward that. So I definitely feel like a 9 out of 10 is easily, easily justifiable. Great, great stuff. And if you like XCOM or Mario or anything... On the Switch, I mean, this is like a killer Switch game for sure. So absolutely check it out. 9 out of 10. Great stuff. Bam. There you go. There's there another go. score from Soviet Games Podcast. Official SVG review. Be- okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Before oh. that, they, that brought up two things real quick. One, okay. you just said Six Ways from Sunday. So I just, I mean, it's a good podcast name. Uh, I just looked it up. I want to see mm-hmm. the origin of that because yeah. I don't think either of us know. I don't think, I don't know the origin. It no. has its origins in the middle 18th century. As the phrase is both both ways from Sunday and two ways from Sunday. So that's how it originally was called. Well, there's a lot more now. We just kept adding ways. Yeah. There's six weeks. Oh, wait. Six weeks. Six ways. Six weeks from Sunday. <laughs> there's six weeks as well. Wait. Six weeks from Sunday is funny because it doesn't that's make any sense funny. for a podcast. Maybe I'll, do, maybe I'll do that. These earlier phrases referred to the eye condition known as strabismus, where someone's eye does not focus in unison given the appearance of looking in two different directions. What? That's what this is from? I don't like that, because that's like making fun of someone's yeah. eye condition. I th- so where I heard this phrase, Six Ways from Sunday, tangent here, of course, uh, I, it was just like Westerns. I watched a lot of Westerns as a kid, because my grandpa loved Westerns, and we'd watch them together. And they would often say, oh, yeah, I'm going to rip you a new one, Six Ways from Sunday or something. I always just took it to mean, like, extremely thorough. Like, you're going to get a beating every other day except for Sunday or something like that. You know, like, I had didn't. I've never had any knowledge whatsoever that it had something to do with somebody's eye condition. That sucks. Well, it did in the 18th century. And so we've changed it. Uh, and then, yeah, like it, it says it picked up again um, and yeah, morphed and changed. I'm not going to read the whole Wikipedia. Sure, but sure, sure. Anyways, it's a weird mm-hmm. phrase and I just thought to bring it up. The other tangent, we got the name of the episode out of it, didn't we? We did. We did. There we go. And the other tangent, real quick, and this is a long one. I'm not, I'm going to try not to go on it, but I have <laughs> I have to bring it up because all right, it came up with when you just said you ch- you can change the difficulty 
on Rabbids. Yes. So extremely different, right? So you can do super hard or super easy. Yes, correct. Yes. I've never brought this up on the show. I always wanted to just really quickly. The only thing that bothers me about that, even like, and what probably bothers me when I do RPGs or something and it says story mode is because, well, back in the day, there was none. There was no options. True. That's true. Brad and I come from a time where there was no options. True. Uh, I mean, literally none across any game ever. No, it was like you push start and start playing the game. That's all you do. Yeah. So it's like once they started introducing that, I get wondering, especially if it's a story game, I get wondering, and maybe it's just me, what difficulty mode is canon? I don't know. I've never said that on this uh, podcast before, but that's the only thing that bothers me. Because if it's really, really hard all of a sudden, then is that the story? You know what I mean? Or is, if it's really, really easy, and I'm doing this fantasy again, this empowerment fantasy, where my hero has this big sword, and, and if it's easy, that means, oh, well, because he's got such a big sword, and he's the hero, and it should be easy. You know what I mean? I, I know I'm thinking too far into it, probably, but I do think of that when I think of dif- difficulty options. I mean, I my only answer to that, I haven't really thought about this before, but if you were to pin me down right now, which, uh, I, which am. I, I am, um, I feel like normal would be the canon difficulty. I mean, that's normal. That is what I would assume they want most people to play on. And I guess that they would skew that to give whatever appropriate difficulty they felt. And of course, you know, I think that one thing that you're kind of like obliquely suggesting is the gameplay difficulty being part of the narrative as in the hero overcoming these struggles he's got to level up he's got to get a better sword that's part of the story part of the experience which i think some developers do and i think some developers don't um i don't think that's really the same across the board and i think it's kind of a decision a really high level decision of rpg designers i don't think that everybody takes that into account so i get what you're saying but i mean if i had to just give you a quick answer which i'm doing now i mean i think I would say normal is canon difficulty. And if anybody wants hard, that's because you, you know, you're feeling your own. So you really want to go for it. And if you want easy, you just want to see the narrative and, and take struggle out of it. But I would say normal. I mean, that seems most logical to me. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just feel like there's many times we both have played things in different modes and um, yeah. Anywho. All right. Food for thought. Uh, Moving on to the games because it's already 30 minutes. All right, let's move on to the games. We have a full show as per usual. Let's kick it off. Uh, let's kick it off with you this week, Carlos. Uh, Twilight Zone VR. It's interesting that you brought this to the show because uh, my kid and I have just recently started watching the actual Twilight Zone series from the 60s, doing a couple episodes here and there, and really enjoying that quite a bit. So that's great stuff if anybody hasn't watched it. Uh, but Twilight Zone VR, I didn't even know there was any games built on the Twilight Zone franchise. This kind of came out of nowhere. Is this new? It's not. Uh, I mean, it definitely came out this year, this game. Okay, so but, fairly um, new. Yeah. It's fairly new. But yeah, like I think there have been other things. No, I, I won't look at it up now. But I think there's a pinball machine, but that's all I know of. Well, I, I do like that pinball machine. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I wanted to play more VR games on the show. I'm going to be bringing a lot more. Uh, going through the store to buy this, I actually noticed another like three that looked really good. So for a while there, there was not much on the Oculus store. I'm playing in the Oculus Quest 2, but now there's a ton and they look real polished. So next episode, or not next episode, it's Halloween. After that, I'll be bringing another one. So that's where I wanted to try it because of VR games, but also obviously I love Twilight Zone and it's creepy town right now and I'm playing tons of scary games for next week. So I thought maybe it's kind of creepy. Uh, and of course, yeah, you and I both love the original show, which can't be touched. For sure, for um, sure. And I love Jordan, but um, he shouldn't have tried to redo it because he couldn't, unfortunately. Sorry, Jordan Pugh. Um, 
Did you see that new season? I saw part of it, and we noped out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's 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 sad because he's so amazing. He is um, amazing. So this is Twilight Zone VR, and spoiler. Um, I, okay, there can't be a spoiler because there's three stories, and I've only played one story. So I'm not going to give my full, in quotes, review uh, or preview yet because I'm going to try to get to the other stories. But it's that thing where you have to, like, beat the story, you know, and to get Before to the next one. Before you get to one. the next one? Okay, sure. So I just noped out so hard in the first one, and I'll tell you why. So what it is is, you know, it starts off in, obviously, everything's VR, so it's a little more intense than your normal video game because you're experiencing it, like, in this kind of, you know, wild visual landscape. But... um. And by the way, they also start with the thing which I don't like, where most of the time you're seated for the or seated for these kind of games, and they like move you through space, you know, like you're like floating through space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That can be unnerving for everybody. I'm like real good at moving in VR and not getting sick, but even me, I was like, for your intro, maybe you know, don't have us like floating immediately. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. I, I, it's like the beginning. They're just telling me the title card, so that was kind of freaky. Anyways. I really like the concept of the first story, and I'll just bring it to you in case anybody wants to, you know, check it out. But I'll tell you why I had a problem with it. So you start as a video game designer, um, but I guess you're an asshole, <laughs> and all of your employees don't like you. Um, Boy, I don't know. That seems a little prescient. A little too, yeah, a little too real there, maybe. I know, right? Which is interesting. Although I didn't want to be the, you know, protagonist sure, as an asshole, sure. but. And then what they do is they put you at the um, in the you know the office, which I love these kind of environments that you know mimic real real world stuff. In the office, you're working on your computer late at night, and the employees go home, and you notice like obviously some weird shits happening, and you could notice something has happened. I think um, a creature comes out of the screen, yeah, like a, like a pixelated character comes out of the screen. So I guess like one of your developers, someone who's works for you, got mad at you, and somehow. Either they became a video game monster person or they sent one after you. It's it's confusing on what's happening. But you're basically at the office at night and that like, you know, pixelated enemy is in the distance somewhere, like stalking you. Because I like trying to get back at you for being like okay. a bad boss. Because you're an asshole. Because you're an Got asshole. It. So you basically have to run around. And again, I can do this. I don't know what happened to my brain. A few people probably can do this. I don't know, but they do that thing where you actually use the controller on your uh, on your um, controller, you know, the analog stick or whatever. Yeah. So you actually walk around in real time, even though I'm sitting. Um, so that can make people like throw up and freak out and sure that disconnect with your body. Disconnect stuff, is fucked yeah. up, and I don't, yeah. you know, they have the one where you can flip around and like look at different places quickly, which like is a little easier. Thing? Teleport, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mainly have to walk around, like because it, it's a game where like you're running from something. Uh, a, they make the running the click-in thing, which I fucking hate. Oh, that sucks. It's the worst way to run. So that's a uh, negative point. <laughs> that's a pretty good title for the episode. Wait, wait, what is it? The worst way to run. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like that one. Is there something that should preface it that, though? Like the clicking is the worst way to run? No, I think okay. I think just a sound. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll anyway, so, uh, so I didn't like that. And then secondly, you know, it's just very paint-by-numbers and the fact that, like, you're getting a key card, you're getting to the elevator, you're getting to the garage – you're all the time you can get caught, you know, are you just like, are, is this just like one of those hiding games? Yeah. Like, you're uh, like hiding so you're, or running. You're just hiding. Okay. Yeah. And, and they do, you know, give you enough time to like look at the office, which is awesome. I love VR games when you like can look around and it's a creepy feel and I, I dug it, you know, like I liked walking around a video yeah. game office, 
and it's Christmas time and it's snowing outside, by the way. And um, it just had a mood, you know, and I really liked it. But then they just ramp it up and now the enemy's coming after you more and more. And when you get caught, it's just that bullshit. Go back to the beginning. And uh, so my main problem is that's not Twilight Zone. Okay. Yeah. And, and so many times, not just developers, but anybody who's going to ever work on Twilight Zone, people think Twilight Zone is horror. No, no, no. It's psychological. It's mystical. It's quirky. And it's trying to tell you a story, like a moral story. Yeah. But that's not horror, you know? And so that's like the, unless those other two stories are different, which I hope they are, it, you know, this one was like, the story's a little bit interesting where you're a bad boss and people are trying to get back at you, but it's it, the gameplay element is bad. See, when you started talking about this, uh, having literally watched Twilight Zone just a, a day or so ago, uh, we watched a great episode, by the way, um, about this guy who could change his face. It was like really cool. Um, but the, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's not really horror. In fact, most of the episodes we've seen so far have not even really been scary. They're just like, what if, like, what if this happened? What if this thing could do? And as you were talking about this game, I was totally expecting you to say it was going to be like a telltale chooser adventure. Like maybe you're, you're making choices or maybe you've got a weird power that affects people. Uh, or maybe, you know, your, your narrative, like narrative, narrative is what Twilight Zone is all about. It's not about scary monsters, even remotely. I know exactly. And, uh, and I just noticed on their website, they said they have new scares coming in October. Uh... And I was like, no, I don't want new scares. Like, I don't want to be scared. Like that's right. not what it's about. Like right. there are terrifying episodes in the in the in the in the series. Oh sure, oh sure. But a lot of them are again mentally terrifying. Like there's the one guy who can't stop all the electronics from going off because yeah, he hates yeah. the idea of again the moral story of forward progression and change. Exactly. He doesn't exactly. like that, so all of his stuff comes to life. But it's not like you know, it's not a monster who's chasing. It's not a monster him. episode, yeah. So that's know. my my biggest frustration with why I noped out pretty quick. Um, I might, I'm just, I love Twilight Zone so much. I'd love to see them do one right. So maybe story two and story three have that in that. So I don't know. I might go back in if I can somehow switch and go to the other chapters. But it was such a letdown to that first one. It's unfortunate that you can't choose which chapter because I think it would be fine if they did one scary one. Uh, even though that's not really what Twilight Zone is about, but then also give you like one talky one and then one moody one or something like let you choose as the player what what experience you want to have that day as if you were watching through the catalog of episodes or something. That would be pretty cool. But... Well, let me go back and make sure that's not the case because I did play it only once. So I did maybe I, you know, skimmed <clears throat> past that check section. Right. right, right. Um, the other two real quick is one's called uh, Terra Firma, which is an environmental apocalypse. Um, one survivor must face mysterious phantoms as he searches the city ruins for a glimmer of hope. See again, phantoms makes me yeah. think you're going to run from phantoms. Right. And the last one is, uh, the clock is ticking for a science fiction writer. Good. Who finds himself captive on an insidious alien vessel. Mm. Aliens are going to chase me. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Seems we spent like they're setting up for like all three are kind of going to be maybe reskins of each other. Yeah. We spent too much time talking about it already. I just wanted to bring it to the show, say that I did try it because I kept talking about I'd try it. Um, I think I might not like it, which sucks, but I am going to try more VR games. So that came out of it. All right. Well, there we go. Circle back. Let us know if it gets better. It seems like probably won't, but who knows? Who knows? Okay, we'll see. Who knows? All right. Let me talk for a minute about a couple, couple of titles I tried this week. First one is Dropsy. Uh, this one came out a couple years ago, like on PC, and it made a pretty big splash. It's a point-and-click adventure. But the thing that people remember about it is the main character is a clown, 
and not only are clowns scary in general, this clown is like horrifying. He is uh, very frightening to look at, very unsettling. And it's interesting because he's actually a very nice person. He just looks like a monster, but he is not a monster. He wants to give people hugs and he wants to help people. So it's this really strange like mental disconnect of, oh my God, this guy looks like somebody I want to put two shotgun shells into but actually <laughs> he's just like a really nice guy who looks very unfortunate and scary have you ever played dropsy or did you see this when it came out a couple years ago yeah i've seen it on steam it came out a while ago actually. a while ago yeah, 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 yeah. and i'm remember, remembering that clown looking horrifying but then noticing that he was just hugging everybody yes exactly um so yeah uh this came out a while ago and it like i said it is a point and click it's oh man so I, you know, anybody who listens to the show knows I have a kind of a love hate with point and click when they are done. Well, I love them. I think they're so fun, uh, but very few of them do them the way that I like them to be done. And I have to say that this one is absolutely not the way that I like it to be done. Um, so it's a 2d pixel base. The art is just all really unsettling. Um, everybody looks creepy. Everything is scary looking, even though like, it's not really a scary game. It's not really a horror game. It just, everything about it just looks kind of nauseating. And I don't, quite understand why they went for that look for everything um i mean it, it's certainly a mood um but yeah it's not really a horror game or anything so this is not like a halloween game or nothing like that but basically there's no language in this game which i didn't know there's no talking there's no story and everything that you need to do in this game is done by like word bubbles that have pictures in them or just like general pictures and uh, i know i've said this a million times uh but i feel like using iconography instead of words is about 42,000 times harder than developers think it is. Mm. Um, it's really tough. If you talk to anybody in the industrial design space or anybody who does any kind of technical work, everybody knows you can draw the most simple picture using stick figures in the world that says, do not put this drill in your head, and someone will misinterpret it and read it the other way because brains don't all work the same. Everybody comes from a different background. Everybody has different points of reference, different context. So it's like it's a whole-ass job to be able to use iconography in a very clear and concise way. Um, so it is much harder than developers think it is. And yet I keep playing games where the developers are like, oh, I'm going to put a picture in here. And of course, everybody's going to know what this means because what else could it mean? Well, I'll tell you, brother, it could mean 17 other different things, right? You just don't know that because your brain's not working that way. Um, so I, I, I hit difficulty with this game almost immediately because uh, I didn't understand a lot of the iconography they were using. I just... I, it just didn't make sense to me. So a lot of it was just like kind of click on things, trying to figure out what does what and kind of observation of the environment. But like, it just is really difficult. Um, it's just really more hard than it needs to be. Um, there's also open world aspects to this where there's multiple locations you can get to. So if you don't even know what you're doing, it's not even like you're standing in one place and you're able to stumble your way through because there's only three things to interact with. I mean, you may not even be at even the right location, right? And on top of that, there's also a day-night cycle, so that's even more um, difficult because people move. People move locations, and sometimes you can figure it out easily. Sometimes you can't. Um, I feel like, I mean, full disclosure, I was kind of put off by Dropsy. Just the way it looks, it's really horrifying and kind of creepy. But more than that, I just, I really struggled with just even doing basic things like, um, and the UI, I say, is not great either. I don't, I don't care for the UI, but it's just like, what am I supposed to do? I don't quite know. Um, why, why am I doing this? I'm not sure. And it's like, from what I gather, you, your, your mom died in a fire. I think she was also a clown or something. She died in a fire. Jeez. And then you want to like 
be good because I don't know, you want to bring light and hope to the world, which is awesome. But just, just simply playing the game was just more struggle than I was ready to deal with. So um, I noped out pretty quickly and I found myself diving for an FAQ like almost immediately, which is like one of my biggest red flags for point and click. If I can't get through the first hour or so without needing a, an FAQ, then I know I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, I'm sure that maybe some people out there might like this just because it's so weird and so strange and off-putting. Like if you like Tim Burton stuff or if you like creepy Halloween stuff or if you like scary ass clowns, I mean, maybe check it out. But as ter in terms of a point and click, this is definitely one of the most frustrating I've played in a while. There's one other one that I played uh, even more recently, which is even more frustrating than this, but we're not going to get to that until next episode. Um, but yeah, Dropsy, unfortunately, I just, oh, just an exercise in frustration, man. And you are playing it because it came to the Switch, right? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah. My bad. Yeah. I am, The reason I bring it up is because it just got ported to the Switch like last week. Yeah. So and even though this is an old game, it's it has not been on Switch until just now. And on Steam, it has very positive reviews. So yeah, I think people have found like this weird you know, like of the character and the weird twistedness yeah. of it. Yeah, um, exactly. But I'm with you. If I don't know what I'm doing, and especially if there's no language and stuff like that, um, it's just more like a vibe. It's like a it's like a Lynch film or something. Exactly, exactly. And But like the actual gameplay of it, I, I know about in seconds when it comes to yeah. point-and-click adventures, if I don't yeah. get it. Take a, look at, take a look at screenshots, and if you like what you see, that enough of a vibe is probably enough to get you through it. But like if you want a good, like, fun satisfying point and click um yeah this is pretty difficult you might you might definitely need to get an faq on this one all right uh okay one more and then i'll turn it back over to you splatter zombie apocalypse uh this Ooh, is one we're almost getting to horror episode it's like yeah we're yeah, teetering yeah. on it we are right on the edge we are edging the horror episode yes. a little bit uh so this is on the switch this is a top down zombie game i watched the trailer the trailer looked pretty interesting i like top-down games especially on the switch i feel like that's a good fit most times i like zombies like shooting zombies um seemed pretty cool uh but i gotta say noped out of this one pretty quickly yeah basically um so it starts off pretty interesting it's like a, it looks like digitized pictures of real people and I'm, I'm guessing it's probably the developer and their best friends or something all in like trench coats and and sunglasses and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is funny. I'm kind of like, I'm with you so far. Uh, but then when you get to the gameplay, it's top down. Uh, I guess, yeah, is it pixel based or is it 3d hard to tell pretty murky graphics, but basically you're looking directly down. You see the top of your guy's head and his shoulders. And that's all you can really see. And the game starts and I'm like, so what's happening? Like, it's just zombies are here. Go. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess whatever. Um, but like, I don't even know what I'm, what I'm doing. Like, what is my goal? I, I mean, I guess survive ostensibly, but beyond that, I had no idea. And I'm just walking around and the levels are surprisingly large and convoluted. You go inside houses. And again, with the top down view, uh, every house has several rooms. You're in like streets and stuff. And I'm walking around and I'm like, what's going on? I don't, what am I supposed to do? Um, so there's an option in the menu that says turn on hints and you can turn on hints uh, after a couple minutes right away or have them on all the time. And I found that I needed to have them on all the time because I had literally no idea what I was doing or where I was going. Um, it feels a little bit like an arcade game in that you're running and gunning pretty quickly. Once you find a gun, um, you start off with a pistol, which is infinite ammo. You can fire it as fast as a machine gun. So I felt like that worked out pretty well for me. Um, every other gun has ammo, but I'm just like, I'm shooting zombies and like, there's, you know, like, okay fine and then i'm just like is there a story not much of a story i finish a level kind of accidentally and then it goes to the there's a brief cutscene. again the dude and his friends which i think is kind of funny but 
it didn't really like get me involved. I didn't really know what the characters were. It didn't further the story. I wasn't sure what I'm supposed to do. Start the next level. Basically the same thing again. Walking through a bunch of uh, towns and houses at random seemingly. And then all of a sudden I get like completely swarmed with like 50 zombies and I die. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, you made a zombie game. Cool. But like I feel like there is so much left to do in this game. Like a story. Um, missions. Waypoints. Objectives. Yeah. Um, you know, anything like it's just it's just like the barest bones of a zombie game. Um, if you just want to shoot stuff on a screen from a top down perspective, go for it. But this is not anywhere near ready for prime time. So I noped out of it like almost immediately. I think I played for maybe like 10 more minutes after I got killed that one time. And it was just like, uh, whatever. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just moving stuff on a screen. So whatever. Noped out. Well, if you noped out, I'll use this opportunity to uh, talk about a different game called Splatter on Nintendo Switch. Okay, okay, go for it. Because <laughs> I just typed in Google Splatter because I forgot what you said. It's Splatter Zombie, zombie apocalypse, apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. But the actual game Splatter has a demo out right now. It's $1.99 on sale. And it's you like a little um, molecule or something, like a little squishy blob. And you're like sliding around a bunch of paint splatters. Is it the one? Is this like something where you need to like color the environment or something? No, no. It just looks like a platformy in a way, but like you're going upside down and all over the place, and it looks like really relaxing and fun. So huh, never heard of it. Well, check check it out, out Splatter instead of the out. other game. There we go. Uh, all right, man. Uh, let's see. Back to you uh, for Batora Lost Haven. Um, I think I, I think this is one of the ones that was on the Xbox Demo Fest a while ago, wasn't it? It might have been. I don't know if I played it back then. Okay, well, once you fill this in, I, f- I think I know what you're going to talk about. I think I played the demo, but give us the full Carlos Rodella rundown here. Yeah, so in my search, uh, and why I have like 16 games on the docket, and I'm going to only get to three or four of them today, in my search for finding something that will you know fill the void uh, from Star Ocean not being here yet, I want an RPG. This is an action RPG in a way, uh, heavy on the action. And it's top-down, three-quarters view style game. Not pixel graphics, kind of just its own uh, cartoony, you know, uh, style, I guess, a little bit. Okay. I don't know how to describe games. We've <laughs> been doing this for 100 years. Words are tough, yeah. But it's not pixely, right? It's its own style. Um, but what the the intrigue for, for me was, was obviously it's an action RPG. And they said in the very beginning in the trailer that your choices make a difference. Okay. And then Carlos's ears perk up. Well, and we like choice. We like choice. We like choice. So I I was really intrigued by that. Um, And the story's interesting. You play as a woman who is basically around at the end of our world, uh, or, you know, tomorrow. uh, In (laughs) real time. Right now, today, in real time, yes. So, but like a destruction of the planet, and like, you know, it's real bad and and, um, destruction everywhere. And so you and your friend uh, essentially are, you know, kind of like roaming around and you. I want to spoil it, but you basically get a new ability by meeting these new creatures or uh, spirits or something. And you get new abilities because you're supposed to help, I don't know, basically fix the planet because it's obviously been fucked by a bunch of real world shit. Uh, And so then by helping, uh, by these creatures helping you, you are transported to a different place, different realms. And in those realms, you do like the combat and stuff. You're running around, killing monsters, using your new abilities that you just got. And the hook, which I didn't know, love or hate kind of hook, is that you have mystical abilities, which are blue and purple, and then you have physical abilities, which are orange, and you can switch between the two on the fly with just hitting one button. 
And okay, so you got like two aspects to you. Two though. aspects to you and a two different full move sets, right? So your action physical things has a whole upgrade tree, which is the RPG element. The mystical mind thing has an upgrade tree. And so you're upgrading both those and you're, you know, attacking in a different way. So like the mind one has a lot more range shooting. And of course, I just wanted to do orange the whole time, which was melee. Melee, okay. Gotcha. And it has an okay roll. I like the dodge roll. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, maybe, maybe a seven. And seven out of ten for dodge roll. Seven okay. out of ten. Also, the seven is because you have to write two on the PlayStation controller. And for a roll, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's problematic. I like it on the face buttons yeah. for sure. So anyways, uh, it's pretty fun to play. I think the, the switching back and forth is an interesting mechanic. I would like to just stay with physical and like have the choice but this game definitely doesn't want you to what they do is when you get to an area where there's these monsters and again the light story is that you're in different realms and meeting different people and creatures out there that are uh, there aren't on the planet earth you know to in all hopes to get back to earth and and fix it essentially so and these like the first planet you're in and the realm you're in you get to an area on this you know huge maze and when monsters pop up they're always going to be blue monsters and orange monsters. So you have to kind of switch between the two. Right, right, right. So um, kind of like uh, like Ikaruga or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and, whatever your enemy is, you got to flip to the other thing. Or is it matching or is it opposite? What do you got to do? Match you have to match opposite? it. Yeah, you match, match it. it. Okay. But you don't, I think you still essentially hurt the enemy. So it's not like you don't hurt them at all. Um, because I remember just using my physical for a while um, and so I'm pretty sure, maybe don't quote me on that, but it seems like you can hurt everything. It's just that you hurt them more with the actual matching. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Um, and so then to the story part, the, you know, it's very interesting. Like, you know, uh, you meet these different creatures, you kind of befriend some of them. There's a little shop, you can upgrade things. You learn about the whole kind of RPG elements, but also you are making decisions. I made like four or five kind of bigger decisions in the very beginning. And it did change what we were going to do. And it and some of them were kind of like light, you know, like the light choices that will affect me later, probably. But I did like the choice element. So uh, a couple of things I'll say about it. You know, one of the bosses made you made you switch back and forth. But what was interesting, it had a orange and blue like circle around it. And so lots of times it would just be circling. So like one, the orange side would kind of move to the left and then move to the right. Do you know what I mean by gotcha. that? Yeah, 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 gotcha, gotcha. So you could just like run around him and I could just use my orange. So I liked that because I was like, oh, I, I want to attack him the way I want to attack him. So I just have to wait for the time to hit him. It's almost okay. like their side of it, you know, like. Right, right, right. So I like that. Um, and so it seems like it's getting being a little forgiving. So it's not just like hardcore. Um, and then the second thing is there are puzzle puzzles. And you know me in puzzles. Yeah, not so good. Not a fan. Um, they're like puzzles where you move a ball around, like monkey ball, um, <laughs> which is weird. And then there's puzzles where like you actually just walk in different uh, you know, areas where they switch back and forth. So you, you have to do the puzzle the right way so you can get to the end, like a maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, not a big fan of those sections, but there's a ton of them, which is weird. Of course. Um, and yeah, I think the story is interesting and you have a main friend who you keep talking to and uh, kind of remind me of what's that goo game with a lot of slime and you have those that gum where you're shooting things. And, oh man, that's like a, that's a million games. You gotta be more specific. Well, you're like, and you're like, it's like a vacuum or something and grew or gree or glee, uh, not glee. 
<laughs> I have no idea what you're the talking TV about. TV show Glee. Uh, anyways, whatever. There was a game that's like that. It's going to bother me now. But where you're like kind of talking to your friend a lot, you know, like, and they're not there. So they're like, you know, it's almost like a radio kind of thing. Oh, it was a recent one. Are you yes. talking about um, that came out from, oh, I know. It had the girl with the, the big hand, the robot yes, hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I, <laughs> you're like, that game? I don't know that game. <laughs> I mean, I know that game, but I don't know the name. Was, it's yeah, like okay. Gree or Glue. Look look it up when I when I talk about my game. Because I know it just came out on, like I want to say, Game Pass recently. It's really good, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I anyways. Oh, I beat that game. Did I tell you that? Did we bring it to the show? I think I, I did. We may have. Okay, I'm not sure. the point is, there's a lot of good pieces to this game. So I'm not going to say anything super negative. But it's not, like, also super compelling for me to finish. Because I, I don't know. I just it's The puzzles push me out. And then also the gameplay is fun, but I also feel like I'm at a disadvantage sometimes because if I don't want to use that other ability, I have to. Right, right. They're forcing you to go back and forth between yeah. the style that maybe you don't like so much. And so. maybe I don't like that moveset, right? Like some of it's range combat, and I'm not a range person at all, but I have right. to be. So, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with it. It's almost like a 50-50 with this game. Yeah. Uh, it didn't fill the void, obviously, of the action RPG that I wanted, but it did seem to have choice. It's presented well. The gameplay is good. It's not bad. It's not broken. There's. I felt like I saw no bugs in my whole experience. So good. it's a solid game. Uh, by the way, the developers worked on Remothered, which is kind of a creepy game. Um, so they've been around for a while. Sto- oh wow! Stormmind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stormmind. Uh, so it's a departure for them. Totally. Uh, I think they did a good job of what they presented. So I'll, I'll give it that as my review. But um, I, I don't know if I'll go back to it. <laughs> The review is, I think they did a good job. I think they did a good job, period. All right. Well, that is Batora Lost Haven. I keep wanting to say Haven. Lost Haven. Yes. And they did a good job. They did a good job. That's that's another good name of the episode. They did a good job. They did a good job. All right. Let me, you go Google that thing. Because I I know exactly. Is it the ooze? Oh, it is maybe the ooze. Maybe. Keep looking. I said glue. Grew. Nope. That's not, not the ooze. That's from like a Sega, uh, Sega Genesis game. Okay, we're close. We're like dancing around the title of it. But anyway, everybody listening at home is like, you idiots. It's we this. don't care. Move on, please. Okay. Yes. We're talking about now War Pips, which just came out for, I believe, all consoles. PlayStation, Xbox is on the Switch, is on PC. Uh, this one caught my eye because I really like the semi-abstract pixel artwork. Um, and that's what made me watch the trailer. I watched the trailer. I'm like, this seems like kind of a cool thing. PR sent me a code, so thank you very much. So Warpips is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a passive game. It's kind of like a clicker a little bit. Not exactly, but basically you are one side of an army and you want to take over uh, this other uh, this other army's territory. And in the beginning of the game, they give you all sorts of reasons to not feel bad about taking over the territory. It's like, these guys are terrible. Uh, they only put peanut butter on one side of their sandwich and they, you know, they like whatever. He gives you like a thousand different reasons of why you should hate these guys. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to take this as any kind of social commentary. It's just a game. Um, but in this particular case, you are starting off. You always are on the left side and you have a little, um, like a truck with your army dudes that you got to protect. You want to take over the, the enemy base. It's always on the right side and you have a little bit of stretch of land in the middle, which is randomized. Okay. Um, and so at the beginning, you just have like a soldier and they're called like, uh, oh my God, the pipsters or something or the war, whatever. The pipsters is also a good name for the podcast. But yeah, ahead. maybe. So you just have these regular like rifle dudes, right? So like you start the match and then the money counter starts clicking. This is where the clicker aspect comes in. You get like $5, $10, $20, $30, $40, $50, $60, $70, $80, $90, $100, $200, $300, $400, $500, $600, $700, $800, $1000, $1000, $1000, $1000,
like every two seconds you get like another extra $5. And when you have enough money, you can click a button and you send one of your dudes in a battle. And he's just like a little rifleman at the beginning. You can have like, think three or four on the board at a time, but you can use some of that money to increase how many guys you can have on the board. You can use that money to increase um, the level of those guys. You can also use that money to buy more guys if they get killed. So like you've got this constantly growing resource of, of dollars and you can spend it however you want. And then the enemy will send out their own dudes as per usual. And then, but you're not controlling these guys specifically. Like, it's just like, okay, I bought a guy, I bought a rifleman, I bought two, I bought three. And then they just slowly automatically walk towards the other side, taking cover as appropriate. If they're near one, if they're near a piece of cover, shooting when they can shoot at a certain interval, throwing a grenade, if they've got a grenade and they, you just kind of watch it. Right. So like what you're really watching is you're watching your money creep up and then you're kind of like carefully keying off certain things at a time. Um, as you go on, it turns out that um, you know, it'll take you like four or five levels to get to the enemy big base before you like beat that area. And every time you get to a new level, like you're starting, you're almost starting fresh. So there's also like a roguelike element too, where if you had like rifleman and a shield guy in the first level, you may not have that in the second level. It depends on what resources you get. So like not only are you managing your guys from minute to minute in the gameplay, but after the level's over, you used up your rifleman. Do you have any more riflemen left? You might not. And if you don't, that means you need to go into the next level with no riflemen. Um, so you either win extra guys by uh, battle, um, you know, you get some rewards at the end of that, or there's a store where you get a lot of money. You can just buy riflemen, you buy whatever guys you want based on what's in the store. The store is also randomized, so there's another kind of roguelike element to it. Um, but so far, I think it's really fun. I think it's really well done. I think it's really cool. Um, I think all of the elements work pretty pretty well together it's pretty easy to understand and i think that the adaptation this is clearly a pc game uh, to begin with the adaptation to controller is really good um with just a couple of exceptions i think the tutorial is not great and i was a little bit confused for a while on the tutorial uh, once i figured that out i actually had to email pr to be like hey i don't understand xyz and they're like oh okay they kind of helped me work through it so i think the tutorial needs a little bit of work but once you figure out what's going on i think it's pretty straightforward and pretty fun and I just really like the different um, soldier classes. You can see ahead of time who's going to be in a level that you're going to fight. And so you can plan out like, oh, these guys have a lot of trucks in this level. So I'm going to bring uh, a rocket launcher guy. Or these guys got a lot of snipers. So I'm going to bring my own snipers. Or uh, they got a lot of infantry. I'm going to bring my attack dogs if you have them. You know, So it's kind of like planning ahead for the battle that you want to have based on the guys that you have. And you don't always have the same guys all the time. Mm. So like, you know, just to be clear, like once you unlock the rifle guys, you don't have them forever. Like you've only got as many as you've got. And once you use them up, they're gone. It reminds me of Heroes of Might Magic a little in that way. We're like, yeah, you have the new tree of like the, the you know, the um, development tree of like, I can make the archers now yeah, or whatever. But then you have to buy the archers. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to like, yeah, as you go on, you can unlock more um, stuff in a store, but then you have to keep buying it, right? You don't, you never get anything to just keep forever for the rest of the game. Which I think is um, it's kind of weird at first because you feel like you're going to like build up an army. But I think it's also good because it really keeps the gameplay fe feeling fresh, right? So like in, in the first level, for example, um, I randomly got an artillery cannon. And I just assumed I would just always have it, right? So I do the first level. I've got this artillery cannon. Turns out it's like this majorly super strong weapon that you only get like once every great while. And I just happened to get it randomly the first time on my very first game. So I didn't realize how scarce it was, right? Mm. So I got the artillery cannon. I use it in the very first level, which was like super easy level. I'm blowing dudes up with my artillery cannon. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. It's so fun. I get to the next level, no artillery cannon. I'm like, what the fuck? Where'd my cannon go? Oh, I only got it for that one level, which means now I am, I used up my best resource. And if I had known that I would have saved it for like further on down the line, but 
you know, it, it made me play in a different way. I had to really rely on my rifleman in that one. And then one level, I didn't have a rifleman, but I had a whole bunch of attack dogs. They had drones. And so I was sending out drones to like do suicide missions. And then the dogs were like running out and like ripping up the enemy guys and bringing their, um, bringing their money back. So that was kind of cool. So like every level, you've got kind of a slightly different spin. And if you feel like you're not really equipped properly, you usually have two or three different levels to choose from. So if you've got a lot of riflemen, but the, uh, the level ahead of you is like tanks, you're like, okay, that's going to be a slaughter. Let me go to like some other level where it's like riflemen versus riflemen or riflemen versus like, you know, some other kind of like unit where it's like more evenly balanced. So you've got to balance what you've got. You've got to balance what you can buy, what you can find, what you earn. Then you got to balance that with who you want to fight. And then as you're actually doing the level, you got to really balance um, how you deploy. And there's also a little um, an indicator on each screen when you're in the middle of a battle. It tells you when the battle is going to go slow and when the battle is going to heat up. So there'll be like this little um, like a progress bar. And the red section of the progress bar is like, okay, heads up. The enemy's going to really uh, going to put it to you during this section. So be ready. Maybe be more defensive. And it kind of gives you a heads up about, okay, I should plan quick assault. And if I can get in there quickly, great. And if I can't get there, then, okay, I should probably hold back until after the hot zone passes. And then once I'm past the hot zone, then I got to push the offensive. And so there's like this other little layer of strategy there. Um, I think it's a really cool game. I think it's really, really well done. I think it's very fun. Um, I got through the first major chunk of it. And I'm like, yeah, this is really great. I, I like the mechanics. I like how it works on a controller. It's all very simple, usually just single button presses. So you're not really um, having to do too much. You're just kind of really just watching the screen most of the time and just really really being focused on the push and the pull of, of each um, section of combat. So mm -hmm. I think it's really good. Um, there's just a couple things that I think are that could be explained better in the tutorial. And uh, a few things on the UI could be slightly tweaked um, just for clarity. But like overall, I feel like this game is in a pretty good space. And if you like um strategy games or clicker games or kind of, kind of like i don't want to call it an idle game because it's not not quite as idle as that but you know where you're kind of just watching money build up and you're 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 giving orders to people kind of a laid back and yet still also very tense experience i think it's pretty cool like a strategy game yeah um and by the way when you said that meter about like seeing the different waves that sounds yeah. like uh tower defense a little bit and the fact yeah, it, that yeah you know what i mean because i played a tower defense game where it had that meter and it's like okay now it's gonna get crazy so, you know, allocate troops accordingly, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so they give you a heads up. They're like, you know, these sections are going to be rough, so plan accordingly, and these sections are going to be slow, so maybe do a push if you want. But, yeah, they, they give you the information there, and I feel like it's all just, just really well done. I feel like it's, it's pretty polished in general. It so. feels like an old-school PC game in the way that you described it because um, I feel like I've played those games, you know, back in the day, which I loved, by the way, that style. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it isn't idle at all. It's like you're definitely thinking about what you're doing. Totally, but totally. My question is, is when you said you switched between levels, there's no real story then, right? Or campaign? Is it just kind of like playing the game? Um, there's a couple different modes. I'm in the campaign mode now. So you need to you need to conquer, I believe, four continents. And then you actually like roll credits and the game is over. Okay. So you can play a campaign mode. But I mean, it's not story. You're not playing for story. It's just like, oh, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. Go get them. Yeah, I mean, that's basically yeah. what the story is. So whatever. It's just about the gameplay. But there is... There is a mode where you can roll credits. There's also like an infinite mode. I think there's also um, skirmish mode. Um, so there's there's definitely a few modes, but I'm on the campaign mode, and I think it's going along really well. Cool. Check it out. Check it out. That is War Pips, playing it on the PS5, but I believe it's on everything. All right, over to you, Carlos, for Ninth Dawn 3. I don't know anything <laughs> yes. about this. Is this an old game? It's an older game. Not like super old, but yeah. it's. Uh, I got it because of Backlogged. Which we talked about in the show. Backlogged. Backlogged. Two G's. Uh, backlogged. I was going through and looking for RPGs. I've already said this 12 times on the show because I'm trying to fill the void that is Star Ocean. 
um, the Divine Force. So it's called Ninth on Three, Shadow of Earthel. I don't know that I've even even heard of this one. I've maybe never I did heard of it in my forgot. entire life either. Yeah, backlogged is the only reason I found it because I was going through, clicking through all the PS4 games ever, which by the way I finished, um, and I was clicking off all the ones I'd played or beat. And yeah, I was looking for the ones. That oh, I so you of. went through every single PS4 game? Every saying, single you, PS4 you game. Checked every ever. single one. Yep. Ever. Gotcha. Uh, and in my hunt for uh, the games that I played, I found this, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, what is this weird thing?" So, what is Ninth on Three? Um, and by the way, I need to go research after this because we don't do homework. Uh, the developer and stuff, because I want to see if they're ever working on something now. Because I'll look it up now while you're talking. Thank you. So what is this game? It reminded me of, to call back to the housekeeping section, old school Ultima. Because okay. it's top-down view, straight top-down view, and the fact that like the character is sideways 2D, but you know, it's all like kind of cut out, like paper cutout style. Um, but then also kind of pixelated graphics. And it looks like Ultima 1 and 2, which is a real old callback, which means just little icon of a character, a little sprite who runs around the overworld, um, fights monsters by just pushing into them, and that's what Ultima 1 and 2 was. Uh, very simple. Also dungeons as well. But um, yeah, so it feels like that, where it's the fact that you can see a lot of the map, you're a little character, a little sprite RPG guy, and you run around, and you can dodge roll, by the way, uh, which you could never do in the old school Ultimas. So you can dodge roll, which feels very good. And then you also have an attack, and your attack is the right analog stick. Interesting. Where I didn't think I would love it, I love it. Because what it does is, the minute you just aim in a direction, because there's enemies everywhere, almost twin stick shooter style, uh, it'll just use whatever weapon you have equipped and, you know, attack. And they'll do, like, the D&D math to see, if you know, how much damage so you hang on, So hang on a second. So, okay, I'm looking at the pictures. This does not look at all like what I was imagining it to look like. So this looks like... You're saying it's side view? It kind of looks like it's almost top down from these. So videos. I'm saying it's top down with the the characters looking like they're 2D, like almost like Paper Mario in a way. Because okay. if you watch the video, the actual animation of the characters is they like flip a little bit, like a Paper Mario. So it's a really kind of weird mix. Okay, but but the, you're, you're describing like a twin stick shooter mechanic. Like, is it more of an arcadey style game? No, it's. I'm telling you, I don't know what this game is. It's baffling. It's. It, it, it's twin stick shooter in the fact that you're using your right analog stick to attack, right? But like I said, you're using whatever weapon you have equipped. So there are many weapons. Um, and the minute you pick a weapon, it's kind of like Skyrim. The more you use it, the more skill you get in it, right? Hmm. So okay. I picked swords because you can dual wield swords in this game. Okay. I love that. So I found two swords. I got my long sword skill by using it just to fight rats. And then as that got further up, I could get a better sword, right? I can equip a better sword because I have long skill or long sword skill uh, or long skill. It's the same, <laughs> which is also a good podcast name. Yeah, Just keep skill. all these in the backlog. We got a lot of good ones here. So so the, it's a melding of a bunch of things. It's In general, what is this game? It's top down RPG where it feels like old school Ultima where you're running around. You can kind of do whatever you want. Every, is this is all real time? It's not turn based. Real time. Yeah, real time. Okay. And you can, you know, you can kind of do what you want. There's a lot of quests. There's like a main story campaign, but you can like be like, I'm just going to go to this dungeon for a while and fart around and see what's down there. And most of the time, you go to a dungeon, it's not just to like get loot. Like there's usually like a lever at the end of it, right? And if you switch the lever, it opens a door somewhere. So that's why it felt like old school Ultima because it was like every little thing in this place 
seems like it has a purpose. It's the opposite of the roguelikes of the world where you just like keep grinding, you know? Yeah. yeah or yeah. or I shouldn't even just like roguelikes, but a lot of games are like you just go in to get shit. But this one, it seems like, yeah, everything you do, like I went to some place, like some, you know, I don't know, some dungeon somewhere. I found something that was for another quest, you know, because I just happened to get there early. And so it's it's really mind blowing. I lost like six hours straight in this game. Like I was wow. like, what is this game? Oh my goodness. It just kept changing and morphing and and the difficulty's fine because you can always like go back to town or tons of saving. So you never feel like you're fucked, you know? Like if you go too far in one direction, it's like, okay, I'll just go back. Um and I don't know. This game is baffling. What is the developer and are they doing anything right now? Uh the developer is Valorware. This game is also on the Switch, by the way, and I'm looking at it I'm like this Ooh, is like a perfect Switch game. It might game. be perfect Switch game. That's what I'm thinking. Valorware. So they've done they've done Ninth Dawn, uh Ninth Dawn Classic, the clunky controls edition, which I think is very interesting. <laughs> uh they've done Throne Quest. I haven't heard of that one. Uh Floofy's Adventure. Oh, Pinku Cult Hex Mortis. I played that and that was terrible. Um, but does so it show it. like in a direction of like like what's coming no, up new or no? No, no, no. Okay. This just seems very scattered, very very diverse development here. It doesn't seem like they have one one genre that one they genre. Do. Well, I'm telling you, if you're listening, and I might send it to you, like developers, if you're listening, do this again because there is something fascinating here. Like fascinating from an old school RPG guy. Um, this there's something really cool here. Uh, and I will say a couple more things about it, and then we move on. But like, a you should try it on the Switch, Brad. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely as soon as we get off the podcast, I'm oh gonna look it goodness. up on the Switch. Yeah, and it's just th- this kind of game that, yeah, because it's so open, you can lose hours. I'm trying to think of the other games that we played like this where you could just be in there, almost like a, a Harvest Moon in a way, or what's yeah. it called, Terraria. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Remember the a ground game that we liked. Yep, um, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yes. it's like that style and the fact that you're like, well, I could just stay here for three hours because new things just keep opening up. Um, there's cooking, by the way, uh, to kind of have a similarity. And I'm like getting better and you get skill every time you fail cooking, like you get skill. So like you just got to keep cooking so you get better at cooking. So there's a lot of that, which, again, reminds me of Skyrim, like use the skill and then you get better at it. Um, there's some humor for sure. Like with the characters and the quest givers, um, all the characters and little sprites seem, you know, fun and and fits the world. And I just love it. It's just so addictive and it, it helps a lot that it has a dodge roll for sure for me, but I can't recommend this enough. It's like a super surprise for me. Ninth Dawn three, ninth Dawn three. Very interesting. Um, gosh, you know, I didn't, I never heard this, or if I did hear about it, I, did, I forgot about it. It didn't really stick out in my mind at all. Um, and I, gosh, do you, you don't know what year it was released, did you? I think it was. No, I can look it up. Yeah, look it up. Whatever. On three. Uh, ninth on three, whatever. Uh, but yeah, this seems like something that I would want to check out. So I'm glad you brought this to the show. I'm definitely going to check it out on the Switch. And that, it also seems like perfect for the Switch. So as long as there's no like lag, or if, if the Switch can handle what it's doing, I definitely would. Definitely check it out there. So. Oh, by the way, there was some lag even on the... I'm playing on the PS4. Okay. Um, so there was a little bit of lag here and there. So I don't know. that That's a team totally in the development. You know, it's not like my hardware couldn't handle the, the yeah, sprites. The, yeah, exactly. So exactly. I think there's some there, just so you know. But the overworld is huge. By the way, it is on Steam. And it only came out in 2020. So it okay, is so relatively new. Yeah. So new, this okay, might be yeah. their new direction, by the way, for Valorware. Okay. Um, Good to know. And if it is, I really more power to you. Make more games like this. 
Tons of monsters. I love the art style. It feels like old school Ultima. Oh, and there's a card game in it. Oh, well, you know I'm in then. So it's like a super simple card game. It's like like bare bones card game. And I love that it's super simple. It's like monsters with numbers, and that's it, you know? Uh, attacks numbers. and defense. Another good one. Yeah. That's another good podcast name. Man, we're on a roll this week. Are you writing them all down? Nah, because they're not going to matter <laughs> the next episode. You're like, no, but they are pretty good. They're oh, all well. pretty good, but yeah. Anyway. All uh, right, cool. Okay, so highly recommend. Check it out for sure. Check it out. Ninth on three. Okay. Let me talk about a big one that's kind of making the making the rounds right now. A Plague Tale Requiem. Oh, yes. This one, I didn't realize it was coming out so soon. It kind of caught me by surprise with the release. It's on Game Pass. Yep. So that's great. You know, best place to play games. You can check it out there for quote unquote free. Um, but, you know, so just let's let's dial it back a little bit here. The original Plague Tale, A Plague Tale Innocence. Did you play that one, Carlos? Yes. I've infamously talked about it on the show, which we've forgot because we remember. do too many shows um and also yeah i just say words you hated it like, right you hate it i hate it yeah okay yeah because i just the type of game it is which again graphically beautiful it definitely tie, um tugged at my heartstrings where what it's trying to do where you're trying to take care of someone i get all that but it was a lot of hunting and hiding and i just yes. di- i felt so disempowered and that's what you're supposed to be i know but i just noped out because i just felt like i was just suffering through it Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even without remembering what we said on the show, I'm like, I bet Carlos hates this game. That just that all made sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I loved uh, a Plague Tale Innocence. It was one of my top ten the year it came out. I thought it was great. It kind of came out of nowhere, and told the story of a a, a a girl and her brother. The brother was suffering from a mysterious illness, and this is like. Um, I don't know, like old timey France times. Like I don't even know what year it was. Old timey like, France times is also that's good another podcast good one. name. Yeah, I know, okay, I know. Okay. It's like 1600s. I want to say yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a historian. I, I struggle to describe the historical periods, but um, you know, like medieval times, castles and knights and stuff. And so the brother uh, was ha- was really sick, and at the same time, the whole land was deluged with like rats, like these plague rats, just all over the place, just killing people like like an ocean of rats all over the place and so that was the first game came out of nowhere and i thought man this game not only does it look amazing we haven't done um like brother sister mechanics or like you know follow or guide mechanics in a while kind of like um you know like on a kind of a guard mission or protect mission but not not nearly as bad as that like i felt like it was really interesting there was some stealth there was some combat story was fantastic it went places i didn't expect and overall, I just I left Plague Tale Innocence feeling like, man, that game kicked ass. Really enjoyed that one a lot. So here is a Plague Tale Requiem. So let me just start by saying this is, again, a third person kind of behind the back perspective. Uh, you are, again, in old timey France. This picks up very soon after the end of the first game. Not immediately, but like pretty soon after that. Uh, you're still there with your brother. He is still sick. You still need to get him some help. You're trying to get uh, your way through to a safe place in France and, uh, you know, just just figure out what's going on. Um, So the first game, Plague Tale Innocence, like I just said, I thought it was amazing. I definitely recommend it. Uh, I felt like it was a complete story, uh, to be perfectly honest. I felt like I got a great narrative arc. I felt like I had a great time with the characters. I felt like the rats and dealing with the rats was a really unique thing, interesting at the time, because you were often trying to manage the rats as you were making your way through each level uh using fire and light and different chemicals and stuff like i just felt like it just was really everything about it was like really cool and interesting so now uh with requiem i feel a little bit torn 
because it is basically just a continuation of the first game. And by that, I mean the graphics um, are great. And in fact, they're even better. The graphics are fucking stunning in this game. Uh, the world building is amazing. Like all the crumbling buildings, the French countryside. You get to this one area, like really, really close to the beginning of the game where it's like a, a marketplace. And I'm just like, wow, this marketplace looks fucking awesome. Like it just looks so real. And I could easily imagine, I mean, I've been to like farmer's markets. I'm sure everybody else has. Um, and that feeling of being at a farmer's market is totally captured here. Um, I think it's great. I mean, I love the characters too. Uh, I, I have fondness for them. The, the sister, Amicia, her brother, Hugo. Um, a couple of other friends. Wait, you're, uh, you're, the brother's okay though, right? Is he like healthy? He's, he's still sick. He's still oh, sick. Oh, damn it. I'm definitely yeah. not playing this game. So you definitely sick. want to help him out. Yeah, he's, he's not better. He got a little bit better, but then he got sick again. Damn it. Um, so I love the characters and stuff, but I mean, I got to say, I I kind of feel like Plague Tale Innocence did everything it needed to do. It told the story it needed to tell. It gave me the me mechanics that were so interesting and fresh and I don't feel like it left anything on the table. I feel like it it got in, it did the thing perfectly, and it got out. And I had a great time. And now that I'm playing Requiem, I'm like, I I, I just feel like it's just doing the same thing again. Yeah. And I feel a little bit churlish to say it, but it's like I don't I'm just not really interested in it anymore because we've 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 met these characters and I felt like I got a resolution. I felt like I was okay. We are doing the same thing with the rats, where there's a million rats all over the place. I'm like, okay, rats again. We did rats in the first game. Uh, I manage the rats. You had a torch. Get the rats away from you. You throw fire. Move the rats. You know, like use shadows to avoid the rats or whatever. And we're kind of just doing it again. And it's like, I did this already. Like, I mm. I get it, but I don't really want to do rats again. And my brother is still sick. I mean, he was sick last time. He's sick again. <laughs> That's and what I'm saying. That's why I brought it up. Because I'm like, if yeah, it's more yeah. of the same, but you told the story already. Yeah, it, I mean, that's... Yes, exactly, exactly. It kind of yeah. reminds me of Barry. I don't know if you guys know, but obviously both of us watch Barry, the show. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I love Barry. But they're doing one more season, that's it, and he's closing shop, and that's good. You know, like, sometimes the story's over. Yes. And I think every that's what you're trying to say here, right? Yes. Every good story needs to have a beginning and a middle and an end, and I feel like Innocence had a beginning and a middle and an end. I feel like it was good. So, I mean... I, I don't want to disparage the work. I feel like so mixed talking about this because I think it's like well put together. It looks great. Characters are great. The world is great. But like we, we were here. We did this. We, we we went through it all. I've done all this. I don't, you know, the first level where you're like sneaking through and I'm like, okay, yes, the rats I already know this. Like you throw a torch and the rats run away from it. And then you run, run to the empty space. And I, I, I got it. Like we did this already. And there's guards and she, uh, Amicia, the main character has a sling and she's really good with her sling. So you're like, you're killing anybody who doesn't have a helmet on. And if they do have a helmet on, then you have to manipulate the rats into killing them. And I'm like, okay, cool. We did this already. Like yeah. it's, you know, I just feel like it's the same thing again. And so I got maybe four or five hours into it and I'm like, like, there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like I just been there, done that. Right. And then uh, I will say I did hit a couple bugs too, which were kind of unfortunate. Um, one interesting thing about this game that's different from the first game. The first game was pretty linear. And like, of course, Anytime you make a linear game, there's always a certain percentage of assholes that come out of the woodwork and be like, blah, linear, linear, blah, blah, blah. Everything should be open all the time, 24-7, and I should be able to walk to the fucking horizon, blah, blah, blah. Like, like, fuck off, okay? Not every game has to be open world. It doesn't work for every game, especially on whatever, what kind of experience you're trying to give. And I was uh, reading tweets from Stephanie Sterling on Twitter, and they made a really good point, which I feel like was, was totally captured. I want to make sure I give credit because um, they said that they preferred the linearity of the first, because in the second game, what I'm talking about now, Requiem, not only do you often kind of struggle about where you're supposed to go, 
but like the the encounters are not as well crafted anymore because there's more places for you to go which means you the, the game doesn't always know where you're going to be so the guards are not always in the most tense spot possible you're not always sneaking by by the skin of your teeth sometimes you just like walk around and like you don't even get close to the guard and like it was kind of feels like a waste of time because like nothing really even happened right like you're kind of just doing whatever and that the removal of linearity as as stephanie observed uh is definitely changing the feel of the game and i think for the worse i think i actually preferred it to be more linear because there was much more narrow escapes much more hold your breath moments much more barely getting by and oh my god that was so close and so exciting and this time you're kind of just like wandering around these open areas that i mean i'm sure they would be open in real life but it's just not nearly as exciting and this combat is not really that exciting in general it's much more exciting when the stakes are raised because you're in forced close quarters or something or or you're, you're you're ducking behind a fence and it's the only way to go there's no other way to go and this guy's got to see you oh my god like get down further oh he didn't see us i was amazing yeah. you know like you, you know that kind of thing when it so. works it works as i remember yeah. like the what you're describing is in the first yeah. game there was like this little like flower bush or something yes and you're like hiding in there and you really do want to like help again part of that story help your brother get to this one area and you have to like distract them and it makes sense and it's again the only way you can go what you're yeah. describing sounds like what we liked in Elden Ring, which is that they opened it up, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, you could attack it from any way you wanted. But that's a certain type of game. Yeah, exactly. And if this is a story-driven game, it seems like it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I think that maybe that was a mistake. I mean, it's not terrible, but like it feels different. And uh, like I said, I got about four or five hours in, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm good. But I talked to other people, and they're saying this is like a 20-hour game. And I'm like, okay, that... That is too long. That is too much for what we're doing. Um, I don't know how they iterate on the rat stuff later. I don't know if there's any new mechanics that come up later on. Um, I'm guessing probably not anything really radical, but I just feel like that's really too long to get through. Um, To be fair, some people who are more invested in the story than I am at this point say that the story gets really, really good at the end, and they felt like it was worth it to see the story, which is great. And I, I do feel like the strength of this game is in the narrative, but like I said, I felt like I got a complete story the first time, and I'm not really interested in revisiting yeah. um, that tale. I will say one other thing, though. There are some bugs. I did notice some bugs. Um, for example, I was with my friend, and we're supposed to be holding hands running through a field. Um, we got to one section where I needed to get to this other safe place really quickly. I ran, got there, and I turn around, and I hear my friend. He's like way back in the middle of a sea of rats. He's like, I'm, I'm separated. And I'm like, what the hell? I was holding your hand. And you're supposed to run. And he's like the AI dude, right? So like, why couldn't he just rubber band up to me and like, let's just keep going. But he got separated somehow. I don't even know how it happened. And he was like literally in the middle of an ocean of rats. And so I like wasted a bunch of resources trying to like clear a path for him. And then mm. it finally got him back. And it's just, it just seemed like really janky. He should have been separated from me in the first place. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to happen. It was just like a bug that happened. Wait, was um, it your and- sick brother? <laughs> No, it was okay. this other guy. Because I was guy. like, he's sick. Cut him some slack. No, no, it was this other guy. Okay. And and another part where I'm trying to sneak by this one heavily guarded area, there's a guard who's got a helmet, so I can't conk him with my sling. I need to get the rats to eat him. So I throw this thing over, and it, it snuffs out his torch, and he's in the middle of rats, and nothing happens. He's just, like, walking around. And I'm like, okay, well, if I can't kill this guy, I have no other way to to get past here. So I waited, and I'm like, I was like, what the hell? I was just about to reload a save when he just kept walking, walking, walking. And then all of a sudden, randomly, he's like, oh, the rats. And he fell over. Uh, so it was like, OK, you should have died like four minutes ago when I killed you the first time. And the game just for whatever reason didn't register that he was vulnerable to the rats or something. So there's little bits like that where I'm like, OK, 
maybe you guys were struggling to kind of like get your AI nailed down for the open world sections or open-ish sections, not open world, but open-ish. Um, I mean, it's not terrible, right? It's not a bad game, but I just feel like I got the experience I wanted the first time, but I didn't really feel a big need to revisit it. So, And it's kind of unfortunate because if you haven't played the first game, you're not going to understand a lot of the story of what's happening in the second game. So you kind of have to play the first game to really get the most out of it. But then by that time, you've I suspect you probably you've done it all, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so they're kind of right. they're kind of screwed. So anyway, Plague Tale Requiem, I think it's beautiful, wonderfully produced. Um, the graphics are great. And I mean, I, I just feel kind of like scummy talking about it, but I just I feel like I'm just not into it, man. Like not at all. So. All right, one more game. They're going to wrap it up. You're bringing Park Story to the podcast, and again, well, you've really got me this time. You really, you're working me over the coals because you keep bringing these games <laughs> that I don't know anything about, and usually I know everything about these games. So Park Story, I, I'm drawing a blank, dude. Tell me all about Park Story. Well, here's what happens: if there's a game I'm waiting for, like Star Ocean: The Divine Force, and I need an RPG or some sort of uh, game that has those elements, I'm going to go looking. High and low. So I will stump you because I'll be finding weird games that I had to find something. Man, know? every nook and cranny, you're turning over every rock. Every rock. Everywhere. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So Park Story actually just came out on Xbox. And another uh, fun thing about Xbox, fun in quotes, by the way. Oh, no. Is that I'll be on the Xbox and it'll just go updating store. You know, yep. it just like yep. auto updates or whatever. And yep. I guess that's okay, but... When it does that, I usually like refresh or like turn it off and on again. And lot, sometimes there's just new games in the store yeah. after doing that. So it did that the other night. I think it was last night or the night before. And Park Story showed up. And I was like, okay, well, the weird thing that you updated yourself, but here we go. So Park Story is called Park Story, a homemade. Oh, no. And his website, he says it's a homemade Zelda-like game. Um, I guess the developer called it that. But yeah, it's basically a top-down um, he's calling it Zelda-like. I don't know about that. But top-down game, very, very simple graphics. Um, not pixelated again. has its own art style. You can look it up, uh, parkstorygame.com. And, yeah, kind of almost cartoony again in that way. And you play as a character who is just came out of a car crash, doesn't know where he is, and he's in a park, hence Park Story. And he's just trying to figure out what's going on, and there's simple mechanics like a dodge roll uh, and attacking. Actually, it's sim- it shares a little bit of DNA with that Ninth Dawn okay. and the fact that it's kind of like that cutout style art where it looks like a little cutout of yeah, a character. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots right now. It kind of looks like kind of hand-drawn, like 2D, yeah, kind of top-down 2D kind of thing. Yeah, okay. I think I've seen this in the store, but I didn't really know much about it in fact i think i may even have looked at it briefly but the the, yeah the dodge roll is a little too slow though i gotta start with that because it does have the same kind of mechanics of action erpg things where you can attack and do different abilities and you can also dodge roll the first thing you learn is the dodge roll it just seems delayed i don't know why um that's a real problem for me well, you know, to be fair, you are a connoisseur of dodge rolls. Like if there was if there was one person to ask about dodge rolls, it would of course be Carlos Dodge Rodella. And like, you know, you give a like like wine to somebody. You're like, "Hey, drink this wine." They're like, "Yeah, okay, it's good wine." Yes. But you give give wine to like, you know, like one of those sommeliers or something. They're like, "Oh, well, this is uh, it's from France and it's from the upper north part. Yeah, and it's from the north side and it, yeah, yeah. it's a breeze." So that's the same thing with you, dude. Like you have a dodge roll or something. Like, yeah, dodge roll, cool. But then Carlos is like, no, 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 no. This is too slow. Yeah. Like the iframe is not right where it needs to be. This is animation. There should be three more frames right there. Like you are, you are the connoisseur of dodge rolls. So it makes perfect sense to me that you're like, 
Something's off about this. Something's one. off. Yeah. And also, um, you know, the, the top notch ones I go off of is Greedfall and uh, Trials of Mana. So those, you know, are top notch. So, anyways, it's, I like that it's a dodge roll. I like that when there is one. So you have it. But yeah, the story is you just, you know, have amnesia. You don't know what's going on. You're in a park, you're picking up clues. Uh, you learn that you can attack enemies, and there are some creatures all of a sudden that show up and make no sense. You're like, what's going on with them? And you have an axe, and you fight them. And the combat's okay. It feels okay. Um, it's, again, nothing to write home about, but I don't think that's really the primary focus. It's more like a mystery game. You're like, what's yeah. going on here? You um, look like a like a, like a a Where's Waldo, like a hiker guy or something. Yeah, you're like just that. like a regular dude who just regular dude. Uh, yeah. got in a car crash. Now, here's where it gets fun and interesting is that the first character you meet is a cat that talks. Okay. And I wasn't seeing that coming. And you, so you talk to the cat, and it's giving you advice. And then, yeah, you start fighting monsters because they appear, and you're like, what the hell's going on? All this time, you still have no idea what's happening. You open up your phone, by the way, which is an old-school flip phone, which I uh, liked, actually. And you look through your messages and you kind of learn the story that way about like what, you know, your life it was. You have a girlfriend, you have your mom called you, you know, recently and you look at the text and voicemail. So you're checking out like what's going on. <clears throat> and it seems like, because they do some cutscenes that there is this, some shady monstery type people who are like um, taking over this area. And maybe like the area has been closed for a long time because of these shadowy figures. So that's all you need to know about the story. But yeah, the general gameplay is like some puzzles, some action, uh, a lot of, you know, kind of quirkiness to it, which I like. Um, and by the way, it's made by one person, Martin Perry. He's an independent game developer from Scotland. He made it with Game Maker, which I, uh, I love because I, I use Construct and I love these, uh, you know, very bare bones game tools. Uh, and then you kind of like, put your own, you know, uh, signature on it, you know, cause like game maker construct, they start with like super bare bones templates, but then you basically add to it. Um, and you can do some amazing things with it. So, yeah. So right now it's on steam Xbox. Uh, I don't think it's on PlayStation, but I, I'm playing on Xbox. I think it's a fun time. By the way, it's a cheap price. I think it's on sale now too. It was like 15 bucks. I'm going to say, Okay, yeah, it looks like it's retailing for twenty, so maybe on sale for fifteen, something like that. Yeah, and um, it's good. It's like it's interesting and quirky and weird. Um, I'm gonna keep playing it. I think. I just I think that the dodge roll bothers me a bit. I am a connoisseur um, because it just needs to be a smidge faster. I, it like slows down at the end, and there's like no reason for it to do that because you're like trying to avoid enemies. But in general, I haven't like died from a lot of enemies. Right? It's not like super hard. It's not your souls yeah. game. Yeah. It's about telling a story, figuring out some puzzles, and this weird, quirky story that's about sometimes talking cats, sometimes monsters, and uh, a park in an area that's been closed down for a long time. So I recommend it. I think it's confusing and weird and fun. Um, and yeah, I don't know the story yet, and I'm kind of interested to know more. I got to say, I'm looking at the screenshots, and I really like the way it looks. I think it's very visually appealing to me for whatever reason. I think your guy looking like kind of like a like a regular hiker dude or something is very weird and appealing and, and interesting in that way. And looking at it, you know, I don't know. Again, I haven't played this yet, so I don't know if it's Zelda like or not, but like just looking at the screenshots, I'm like, okay, this is like something I definitely would like to play. Like this seems, it's got a kind of a good vibe about it. So I'm definitely going to check it out. So uh, I'll have to admit, you're giving me all sorts of shit to look up after the show. I and I already don't have time to play games that I already got. So you're kind of putting me in the pickle. Well, here. what I do is I go through all the games again, in search of something that will fill that void. And 
they sometimes don't do it. So then I go to the next game. So that's why. But I will say yeah. well, there's one con. Okay. Okay. Yes. I got. We gotta be. Uh, gotta keep it real here on the podcast. Keep it real. That is what we do. And it's something they can't change. Uh, Martin can't change. So it's oh, no. you know it's a con that's just gonna have to live. I feel like this is about to get very personal. No, no, not at all. Um, it's just that the, the the traversing of the landscape, because it's this style which is similar to Ninth Dawn. Where you like looking down, you know, three quarters view, I guess we call it, but it's more like looking down because it's 2D, right? Top, yeah, top, top down, down yeah, 2D but presentation, 2D presentation, sure. yeah. So you're running around, and sometimes it does. It's not apparent which direction you you can go on, like which landscape you can walk on, because oh, okay. you know what I mean. Like if you go up a ladder, I was getting stuck because I was like, well, that looks like you should be able to go left on that, but no, that's a wall. And gotcha. so that's definitely a problem. I think they might, he might actually be able to patch it with some sort of, uh, if he uh, did something to the graphics, like... Um, Just add a different texture or something. Yeah, like meshing out the texture, textures. Yeah, yeah meshing yeah. out the textures or whatever. It feels like, okay, that's more solid looking. But some of the landscape feels too hard to discern on which way I go. Now... It's an easy fix because you just push up against it and you're like, oh, that's a wall, you know. But I was in the sewers and I was riding this little piece of wood down the river because that's what you do in the sewers. Uh, by the way, it was a subway. Yeah, it was a subway system, but there was also a um, river with logs on it. And I kept falling off because I didn't know that the thing I was going to hit was an actual piece of like wall. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, yeah. So yeah. that was a con. And I got to mention it because it's, it's weird. It's kind of a weird choice of like, I think some of those graphics could be. Uh, yeah, just tweaked a bit to show like that's actually a wall. Um, but that's a small thing in comparison to the whole thing. I mean, it still seems, uh, I mean, how often are you hitting that problem? Because I, I definitely don't like that problem. I notice um, these days where I really want clear visibility. I, I think that artistically and in terms of usability, that's really kind of an, uh, an art that could be improved, I think, in the industry. So w how often are you having a problem like that? Again, it's I'm never it's never a problem in the fact that I can't progress, but it's a problem in the fact that it takes me longer to get through an area because I'm bumping up against things. So so far it's happened twice. Um, okay. Once in the main overworld before you get to the subway, which is the first kind of in quotes dungeon, and then it happened again in the subway because I kept hitting my head in this thing and I was like, I can't do this puzzle because I'm an idiot, you know. But no, I just had to go a different direction. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it just happened a couple times. But again, the story seems funny and weird enough that I'm going to push on. I looked in the description. It said something about the great president of hell. Um, so okay. I don't know what that's about. But I mean, obvious reference to uh, you know who here in America. Oh, well, come on. We don't talk about that person. Like Voldemort. <laughs> um, <laughs> you shall not be named. I'd right. actually, I'll say Voldemort instead of the other person. Exactly. I will too. Yes, I will. Uh, so anyways, check it out for sure. Park Story on Steam or on Xbox. And I think it's worth a check out. Check it out. Check it out. Oh, and <laughs> I said that really weird. Uh, that game we were trying to think of is called The Gunk. The Gunk. That's right. Boy, we were like. We were close. The goo, kind the of. slime, the residual <laughs> residual material. By the way. All sorts of stuff. Gru yes. is pretty close because G-R-O-O -O, and it's G-U-N-K. But the, the developer is the people who made SteamWorld Heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're put out by Thunderful. Uh, yes, those are good. Image and form. Yeah, so. Image and form. Uh, check out The Gunk, by the way, people. It's such a good game. I beat that game like in, I think, three days because I was just so, I needed to know what the ending was. And the gameplay was so fun. Did you ever play it? I did play part of it. My wife played it part. My wife really liked it. You didn't like so, it. Yeah. That's right. I, I just think. I just wasn't in the mood for it. Mm. It just wasn't the right game at the right time. But I did appreciate what it was doing. And I do like Image and form quite a bit. So. Yeah, okay. 
Um, wait, I want to say one more thing, and it was a tangent. I'm going to forget it. I'll forget it. Move on, moving on. This is the end of the moving show. On. We're done. End of the show. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Let's do some shout outs real quick uh, for people who retweeted the show, which which really helps, really helps visibility, really helps, helps get people uh, listening. I don't we don't really ask for like people to leave us reviews very often. If you want to leave a review, that'd be awesome. Uh, helps the algorithm, etc. But like, I really appreciate people uh, retweeting. So big thanks to Red Deer Games, which retweeted us. Also, uh, good man, J Monster, longtime friend. Uh, thanks to Zolbrod. Thanks to My Tainted Brain. And also thanks to Baller Swag Sword. Thank you all for retweeting the show. Really, really, really appreciate it. Um, and one last thing before we go here, I got a couple, I've been watching a couple of movies lately, a lot of Halloween style movies. Yes. What, about, uh, what about you, Carlos? Samesies, a lot of Halloween stuff. But before we get into that, the thing I mentioned earlier, the interview that I'm going to be a part of. Yes. Tell us about which that. Which is uh, the family gaming database, which we mentioned before. With Andy Robertson. Yep. Tammy, taminggaming.com. <laughs> I just said Tammy Robertson. Tammy Robertson. I didn't say that. I don't think that's his wife's name, no. Uh, Game Pathways is the series that um, I was interviewed for. And so I already did the interview, and I'm, I'm working on um, getting all the information together for him right now. And I don't know when it's going to go up, but it's going to go up at some point. So check that out. We'll definitely put a link in the show notes when it's up. Yeah. But it was really, really fun. And by the way, it was like it felt like therapy a bit doing the interview with him because we did it for a while, and I went through like my whole past of like, the beginning of me playing games and were what, you laying down on a couch when you started? I was just sitting in a chair, but it felt oh, the same. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it felt like I was. So yeah, I talked about my past, uh, playing games with my brother and the, the kind of the empowerment that I got from games. The thing that I, we talk about on this show a lot, which is why I play a lot of RPGs is I look for that empowerment and escapism. And so, yeah, we kind of really, really got into it. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Um, and then also Halloween stuff. I mentioned this to you, and I'm going to see if you've seen it yet. But one of my new favorite series, uh, I'm definitely watching 101 Scariest Moments with you on, mm -hmm. on Prime, Amazon Prime sh slash Shudder. Yes. But I found through a friend, uh, my buddy Scott, actually, In Search of Darkness. It's a uh, look through all of the 80s horror movies. Um, now, they made, they're making three of these. Yes, yeah, a trilogy. I trilogy. Now, the first one is four hours long. Um, so what I do and highly recommend for you and everybody else listening, because it's it's impeccable, I think it's really done well, is that you just do it in little segments. Right. So right. every night, at, you know, eating dinner or something, I load it up and or nowadays I'm actually watching at lunchtime in the daytime. Yeah, just like watch an hour of it, watch 40 minutes of it. But it goes through every like pinnacle, huge, you know, horror movie moment. Uh, but it goes through each movie and like in an order. So like they're starting at 1980 and they're kind of, you know, bringing you chronological order? chronological. Yeah. OK, gotcha. gotcha. Um, now, Eat Wiser's three documentaries is because the first one really focuses on a lot of the movies we all know. Like I said, the Poltergeist of the World, the Jasons, the Michael Myers uh, and some that you don't. But then the second one, which I'm watching now, part two, is more about the obscure obscure movies. Also in chronological order. So they go 1980 to 1989, but also all these ones you've never heard of probably. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and okay. then three, they're going to delve into more just like a bunch more of the uh, overall stuff about horror movies in the 80s too. Uh, and I will say this. The other reason I love it is because they'll take breaks in between like talking about three movies or four movies and they'll talk about VHS. And they're like, here's the history of VHS and why it was huge for horror movies. Then they'll talk about like uh, practical effects, and they'll just do a like whole block on that for like fifteen minutes. So it's such a thorough look in horror movies as well as eighties horror, 
And have you started it? I have not started okay. because we are we're kind of juggling the 101 scariest moments, which we're watching on Shutter. And then we also watched this other one. Oh man, I'm totally blanking on the on the uh, the title of it. But there's another documentary on Shutter. And folks, if you like horror, uh, Shutter is really like the place to be right now. It's, it's a the great place to be. It is absolutely. They got so many like yeah, horror movies, sure, but like documentaries. They got documentaries just out the ass. Just all these like so many interesting documentaries about the black influence in horror, the female influence in horror, the queer influence in horror, like a foreign horror. Like they, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you can just really delve into if you want to learn about the genre and stuff. So I love Shudder, but um, there's this other one we're watching that goes through like the biggest names of uh, the eighties and nineties. So like there's one, it's like a five part series, six part series. One episode is all about Jason. One episode is all about Michael Myers. One oh, episode yeah. is all about Freddie. And they kind of go through all of the movies in that franchise. They talk about how that character got created. They talk to the special effects people. They talk to the actors. They talk to the director and they just like basically just like everything you ever want to know about whatever series they go from A to Z. We just watched the one about um, Nightmare on Elm Street last night. And I think before that, it was Michael Myers. I think left we have uh, Clive Barker doing Hellraiser. And I think there's one more that I am not remembering. But we're doing that one. And once that one's done, two episodes left, we're going to start in on In Search of Darkness afterwards. Nice. So. Okay. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. There's a lot to watch. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, again, we're not sponsored, but we we should be at this point. Um Shutter is great for that. They even have documentaries like This Is Guar, which I'm watching. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And stuff that's just kind of different or adjacent to weird, you know, documentaries. But also back to In Search of Darkness, the third one that they're they're just releasing now. I think it's just coming out. Um, they're actually doing like physical copies because again, they talk a lot about VHS, and yes. so they're actually releasing all of them. Uh, and I highly recommend like horror fans to check it out because Blu-ray, a bunch of collectible stuff. I think it's just really cool. And they spent so much time. I do editing. I do interviews. This thing must have taken them forever. Years, at least. Yeah, I'm it's sure. so crazy. Yeah. They did so many interviews. There's in on the Blu-ray, there's four hours of extras. Oh, wow. And the thing is four hours long. So anyways, I got, got to give them props. In Search of Darkness. In Search of Darkness 1 is one of my favorite things I've watched. I'll, I'll put it out there. Because it's like just a thing that gets you totally drawn in about the 80s. And just about like, you know, history. Um, so enough gushing about that. Check that out. And then also the peripheral is very good. Oh, yeah. I just saw that dropped on Amazon. We were considering watching that, but we have like too many other shows we're in the middle of right now. But it, is it pretty good? Yeah. They only dropped two episodes. You know, I like when they do that. At least nah, I hate that. you hate, hate that there's episodes. I know. But at least they did two and not just a pilot. And it's that uh, that woman who's been in a bunch of things, Chloe Moretz. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I think that I feel like she's always been in things where... It's not exactly the best yet. You know, like the choices of the movies she had. Um, she, I think she did a recreation of a horror movie. What was that? Oh, I don't uh, know. Is it Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz? Is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a couple movies where I'm like, oh, she's such she's a good actress in this, but I don't think the movie's good enough, you know? Well, this, right. I feel like, matches it. She's got a kind of a southern draw accent, and it really fits for some reason. And, and it's, a, it's a story about her in a hardships and her mom's sick and they don't have much money. And so what they do, it's a kind of a futuristic story in 2030, I think it takes place where there's these VR new VR, uh, helmet type things and she can go in and it's super realistic, you know, like the most realistic thing ever. Sure. And when she goes in, you know, if they do certain jobs for people in this metaverse, but a real metaverse, not, the Facebook one. Uh, <laughs> Don't make me laugh about that one. Dude. Well, it's yeah, 
it's what I think that Zuckerberg wants to exist, which is sure, you know. Sure, yeah, so, yeah. but you go in this like real virtual world, and she does these like jobs to make money. So, because she's doing things in there, you know, like taking out people, or um, you know, a lot of it feels like a shooter game, right? Or there's like a, a, a kidnap mission or something, but it's super realistic too. And so she'll come out, and then you know they made money. But the rub is, and the weirdness is that it gets dark in there. And weird shit starts happening, and you're confused on what's real. And I, I, almost Cronenberg in a way, um, hmm. with the existence and stuff like that. And it just gets really weird and twisted. A little too dark at times. I don't know if it's like super family friendly. Um, it's just in the fact that you guys can deal with gore. But like, there's a scene where someone's eyeball comes out, and even though it's virtual, you know, and it's fake. It still happens, you so know. It looks real You're still enough, looking yeah. at it, yeah. Yeah. But you know it's not real. So it's like, where do you stand when it comes to that kind of horror? I don't know, or gore. But I think it's just done so well, so weird. Some of the people that worked on Westworld worked on it, which I don't know if is a selling point for you. Uh, it is for me. And it feels like this futuristic world where, yeah, like VR and, and our reality meet. So I recommend it. And what is it called again? The Peripheral. The peripheral. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I saw it pop up on Amazon. It just dropped like this week or last week or something like that. So yeah. Super cool. What else are you right, watching? Cool. Um, watching a bunch of movies lately. And interestingly, we didn't really plan this, but we ended up watching two movies that had like really strong um, black girl protagonists, um, which I thought was neat. Um, Cause you know, I'm a white presenting dude and growing up in American culture, you just, everything is white, everything white, 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 white. Every, every hero is white. Every story is about a white person or something. And so I'm glad to see that the, these other stories are coming out. Um, the first one we watched was called Black as Night. And I believe we watched it on Amazon Prime, I believe. This is about a young black girl and her uh, friend who are living in New Orleans. And um, it turns out that as she's walking home uh, one night, she gets attacked uh, by a vampire. And it, she slowly discovers that there's like this whole undercurrent of like homeless vampires that are living in new orleans and so she wants to get revenge on them for attacking her uh and they end up um, doing some other stuff that she wants revenge for i'm not going to spoil anything here but basically it's about this girl uh who's like a, a young black girl teenager just being strong and like being like i'm going to push back against these vampires i'm going to do what it takes to to make things right and it's really cool to see her um just you know she is not the typical um protagonist in that she is immediately like all about it like she just like turns to herself to 11 um, but in a way that I feel like is believable, like I could imagine a teen kind of like getting fired up like that and doing things like an Ash, um, maybe from Evil yeah, Dead. kind of like that. Yeah. Similar like that where she doesn't shy away from it. She just takes charge of what's what needs to be done and she just get, gets out there. Uh, it's it's pretty I mean, it's pretty good. I don't want to say it's great. There's definitely some rough edges to the film, certainly a lower budget production. And I feel like the the script would have really benefited from some streamlining. It, it feels like they want to tackle maybe a few too many issues. Um, there's like some self-esteem issues about the fact that she's black. There's also um, Hurricane Katrina relief issues. There's homeless issues. There's drug issues. There's just generally being black in the world issues. So I think these are all really important issues, and I think they all deserve a voice. Um, but there's a lot in this film, and I don't know that they have time to explore all of those um, issues mm. in the depth that they deserve. And also, it kind of takes away from the story because it one it's, it's kind of like at some points it's kind of funny maybe going for like a Buffy kind of a vibe a little bit, but then it gets really serious. And they're talking about how black people in New Orleans have been treated poorly by the government, which is also super important. Right. But it's kind of a wild swing to go from laughing about shoving garlic in a vampire's face in one scene to the next one where it's like, 
we're going to talk about systemic disenfranchising. So I feel like the director, and this is just me in my head. I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like the director is maybe like, this is my shot. I got to get as much in here as I can because, you know, it's important and it is important. But I feel like ultimately um, losing a couple of those peripheral issues or or focusing on just a, a certain few would have done the movie um, a little bit better. Yeah, it could have uh, been but a I series feel, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly think this could be an entire series. and They could touch on all that stuff. It'd be great. I thought the, the lead actress was great. I thought the cast was really fun. Um, not the best one I've ever seen, but definitely worth watching uh, for sure. Right. If nothing, if for nothing else, it's like a great place to watch a strong black woman um, stand up and fight vampires. Yeah, so see that, too that often. sounds good. Uh, interestingly, we didn't plan this at all, but the very next movie we watched was one that you recommended, The Curse of Bridge Hollow on Netflix. Yes. Did not realize this is another one with a strong black girl in the lead role. It just happened back to back. And, and it's that was... Priya from um, Stranger Things. So oh, I don't watch Stranger Things, okay. so I didn't know so that. So Stranger Things, she uh, had like these full-on braces and was super nerdy girl. Uh, well, she was like, she got brought into the nerds. Uh, be- that were fighting him on monsters and stuff like that in Stranger Things. But um, yeah, she was in that and kind of a breakout star as well. So this is okay. kind of her okay. like leading role, I think. Okay, good. I didn't know that because I watched Stranger Things. But yeah, she did a great job. It also has Marlon Wayans. I haven't seen him for a while. Yes. Uh, looking a little older. Also has Kelly Rowland in that, which I was surprised by. Yeah. Um, but it also has like Rob Riggle, which was came out of nowhere. But this is a story about a, a black family who moves to this weird ass white town in the middle of nowhere and they comment on it right they're like oh you know it's supposed to be super safe and all we're going to be the only black people there but this is safe you know we're getting out of the city and getting into the country and stuff and all that so they mentioned you know those issues peripherally but it's definitely not the focus of the film um what happens is uh basically i'm not going to reveal everything but basically the, the gist is that the halloween decorations in this town come to life and so the main character has to like not only convince her very scientific father that this is a thing that's happening but she also has to get a plan and fight back against everything it's a really fun film um it's a great family movie i think that was what you recommended to me as i think you were on the money um excellent movie because i feel like it's um scary enough to where you're like ooh, that looks creepy um they shoot zombies at one point with a shotgun so that's kind of creepy guys get bitten that's kind of creepy but it's not too creepy like i wouldn't i wouldn't be afraid to show this to um kids not young kids but you know like 10 11 12 13 they're probably fine so it was scary but not too scary but it wasn't corny like it wasn't totally toothless like there were a few moments where i was like "Ooh, that's pretty gross or creepy um and it also it's really positive like i feel like they they really focus on the parent uh the father-daughter relationship between marlon waynes and what is the the actress's name do you know her name priya oh um yeah priya you mean the main girl yeah, the main girl. I don't know what her name is. Oh, um, in the story. Uh, I don't have that up in front of Well, me. whichever. She does a great job. They focus on that a lot. Like, it's, it talks about coming of age. It talks about, you know, idea, uh, individual. Oh, man, I can't even say this word. Ind- individuation uh, is what I meant to say. And just like, you know, the, the, the struggles that parents have with teens who want to be young adults, but they're still kind of kids. And so they focus on that. But it's really positive. Like, I feel like everything was in a positive light. They were able to spin things. Um, really well. And there's also just like a lot of really good laughs. Um, they really rag on vegan baking a lot, which is another, uh, (laughs) which is something that I, I personally dislike quite a bit. So I was really happy to see those jokes. Um, it's just a good film, good film, really fun. I could easily see this becoming one of our like regular Halloween watches. Like I felt like it really, it, it hit on all the marks it was trying to go for. So good stuff. And again, another really positive, uh, example of a young black woman being in the lead role and being a wonderful, wonderful uh, protagonist. So that was yeah. great. And also has that kind of element of like um, 
uh, science versus mysticism too. Exactly. Right? Yes. Exactly. And by the yep, way, yep, Lauren yep. Lapkus makes uh, an appearance. Who's one of my Who's favorite? That? Lauren Lapkus. She was. I don't know who that is. Recently in um, what's it called? Um, oh my goodness, it's gonna kill me. I'll look her up. But she's an amazing comedian, and she's in some of my favorite stuff ever. And she's blowing up right now. She was just in that one movie. Oh no! I think I think who you're referring to is the mayor, and I know her face, but I don't know what her name is. Maybe that's the person. That's so funny that you know her as to. the mayor. Um, yeah, I think so because she was the mayor in this, and she was actually pretty funny in this as well. So, well, hold on. No, we're not leaving this section until I just look Google. Hold on. Okay, look it up, right here. Look it up. It's the wrong Wait. Missy. The wrong Missy. If you've not seen that, if you want a just regular ass comedy where you're just laughing and it's so ridiculous, is this like like a movie, TV yeah, show. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's uh, David Spade. Oh, um, dude, I'm out. I'm so. Oh, out. you don't no. like him? Okay, I'm out. Right. I hate David. Okay, Spade. never mind. But anybody else listening who can deal with David Spade, and by the way, he plays a straight man in this, so he doesn't do any like snarkiness. Really, he's just oh. like reacting to Lauren Lapkus, who's amazing. She destroys that. She's like, she's just so funny. So, anyways, if she's who I'm thinking of, I love her, but I can't stand David Spade. So yeah, cancel. She's that. amazing. Um, last movie I want to mention really quickly: 1991's Warlock. Have you ever seen Warlock? I don't think so. I'll look it up now. Oh, man. Julian Sands and Robert E. Grant, I believe his name is in that movie from 1991. That was a it's a movie that like people who know it love it. And it has a real strong cult following. Um, but I, I find that a lot of people don't know that movie, which is strange because I felt like it was really notable and really popular when it came out. Um, it's about a a warlock from, again, the 1600s. So I guess old timey France. I mean, I think he might have made even a cameo in Plague Tale Requiem, or maybe not. He was in the background. Uh, there's a warlock who escapes to modern times, and the warlock hunter uh, accidentally goes with him. And so here's this warlock from 300 years ago, shows up in like 1980-something or 1990-something, and he's like, new world, new rules, cars, electricity, buildings, and he very quickly gets a mission from Satan to go and do some stuff. The warlock hunter is following him, and he teams up with this... Um, I don't know, this like weird alternative girl from the 90s who uh, just goes along with for the ride. And they just have this like kind of weird adventure where they're kind of learning the modern times, but also doing some serious witch hunting. Um, some dark stuff happens. And Julian Sands, I mean, this was a movie that kind of made his career. He got really big for like five or ten years just based off of this movie. Mm. Um, and I just I really like this one a lot. I don't know why more people don't know about it, but the people who know it really love it. So I definitely recommend Warlock from 1991. Uh, great stuff. I just watched it yesterday. Totally holds up. Um, only like one or two kind of like oopsie moments just from the time period, but overall definitely holds up. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, I look at the cover and I recognize the cover. And also, they made three movies of it. Yeah, I um, have not seen the other two. I don't think they were as well received. I don't number think they one, were I think, is, yeah. is where it's at. It's a cool yeah. concept. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, good stuff. Before we go, I want to also mention Reboot because I didn't want to give it a chance. And then I gave it a chance and I'm very happy I did. Uh, it's a show on Hulu. Did we talk about it before? You and I talked about it on DM. We have not talked okay. about it on the show. Basically, yeah. it's just like they're rebooting a old, supposedly an old 80s TV show, right? That was like, uh, it's called Step Right Up. It was like Full House and all those kind of shows. Right, like like a fictional, like a fictional, yeah, show. fictional show. So this is a fictional reboot. And it's yeah. like, you know, like 20 years later or something, they're all older and they're going to just kind of basically do it again. But you have uh, two different like creators of the show battling each other so essentially you have the old fogey who wants to make it like an old 90s you know slapstick humor show and you have his daughter who wants to make it gritty and real you know about right. like <laughs> yes. if these people came back what would they really be like but the story 
is obviously not just about like the the sitcom. It's about all the stuff around it, right? These actors and the world that they live in. Here's the thing. It feels like Park and Rec in the fact that it's super snappy, super smart. It's not too camera. It's none of that like documentary style, but it's just done very well. Like I know writing, okay? I write every single day. I'm not the best at it, but I know how you make a fucking joke and how you tell a story. And they just, I mean, they get, they pull on your heartstrings. Like the second episode, I was like, am I feeling the feels? This is a comedy. Um, I can't recommend it enough, man. It's like very fucking good. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that because we actually watched the trailer. We were considering watching it. But again, we have like a million shows we're watching now anyway. But we added it to the list. It seemed interesting. I, just hearing about the premise, I wasn't into it. But then when we watched the trailer, um, I'm not, I can't remember who's in it, but we, we were like, we recognized everybody who was in there. We're like, oh, okay, this will be, I get what they're going for, like the fictional reboot stuff. So it seemed like something that was going to be upper alley. I'll definitely give it a shot for sure. Yeah, I almost noped out too, but like you have to watch an episode. And once you do, you go, oh, I see what they're doing. They're like, right. They're, and they again, they pull on your heartstrings and you don't expect that, you know. Um, and Paul Reiser is amazing in it. Like, oh, yeah, Paul Reiser, yeah. <laughs> by the way, I just saw him on TikTok. He's doing stand-up again, I guess. Is he really? Yeah, and wow. he killed. The stand-up was, like, really good. I was like, okay, this is a return to Paul Reiser, which right is on, also right a podcast name. Well, he was just on The Boys, and I saw him on The Boys. I'm like, oh, my God, this Paul Reiser. All He's right. back. Like, I think we mentioned so that. Crazy. So um, crazy. Before we really go, and this show is long now, but I do want to say... Um, <laughs> I don't remember. No, hold on. Uh, I think I was just going to mention the 80s thing. Uh, when I go back to the horror stuff, the only thing, caveat I'll say, because we do like give people advice and stuff, um, In Search of Darkness 2 d- delves way too much into the gore movies. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. so I almost like, I don't know if I'm going to nope, nope out, but like In Search of Darkness 1, it's in there. Like they'll talk about Hellraiser, they'll talk about, you know, but like then they go past it. Like, I feel like even 101 Scariest Moments spend too long on some of the gross scenes. Um, In Search of Darkness kind of, like, shows them, and then it goes, moves on. But In Search of Darkness 2 really gets into some pretty trashy films. And they call them trashy if they are, you know? But I don't want to see that ever. Because, like, while I love horror, I like the mystical weirdness of horror. But I don't really want to see, yeah, the, the really gross stuff. So yeah. I think that in the four hours of the one that I watched, the first one, it was there, but it never really bothered me. But yeah, I think the second one was kind of tricky with that. But I'm not I'm not huge on gore either. I love horror films, but I'm not like all about like the extreme close up of the eyeballs exploding or the guts spilling out. Right. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll watch a movie if that's in it. But if that's what the movie is like about, then I probably will not watch that. Yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. So just a little, little um, asterisks for people. Yeah. Well, one more, one more final thing before we go. Also, this is the last, last, last thing. Um, just heads up that dead end season two, just hit Netflix. Um, I was a big fan of season one. It's about um, a haunted amusement park where the protagonist is openly a trans character and they go through not only their personal journey, but also just like dealing with um, angels and demons and ghosts and monsters that are in this, um, this amusement park as well. Really funny, really good. Had a great heart. Um, we watched all of the episodes like in a week and we just loved it. Um, so season two is up. I haven't watched it yet, but just heads up that it's out there. So check it out. Uh, definitely. If it's as good as the first season, it's going to be good stuff for sure. Cool. And finally, well, Oh no. Just the there last thing is because of, we're talking about horror. Um, and this is instead of the, the very end sign off and you, again, anyone listening and I was our super fans. Um, I'm dropping my horror sketch tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, time of this recording is Sunday. So if you listen to this tonight or tomorrow when it goes up, probably uh, it'll be up. 
uh, just check out TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. It'll be on all the places that you can find me. There we go. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Now that. That is it. That is it. That is a show. That is a show. All right, folks. As usual, we want your questions and your comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. You can also hit us up individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Yep, just TikTok, Carlos Rodella. And? Instagram. And? Oh, uh, DadroMarketing.com. If you if you want a weird, funny sketch, like my sketches on TikTok, for your video game, go to DadroMarketing.com and give me a call. Social engagement, any kind of like social media, videos, any kind of outreach, Carlos is your man. Please go to dodgerollmarketing.com. If you're an indie developer listening to this podcast and you listen to all this way, you definitely got to go to dodgerollmarketing.com for sure. Check it Give out. This man. Check it out for sure. All right. As for me, uh, I mean, go to go to dodgerollmarketing.com <laughs> first. Nice. And then you can go on Twitter or Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And this is for sure going to do it for episode 307. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on the Summit Games Podcast. And we will see you next week for the spooktacular Halloween mm. episode. Ooh, spooky. But in the meantime, oh, also, also my new microphone, too. But in the meantime, uh. this is bye from Brad on the old microphone. And boo to the old microphone. Hello, new one. They're going to say, hello, nurse. Hello, nurse. Hello, nurse. Who did that? Some old movie. Uh, Animaniacs. Animaniacs. Oh, and they got it from an old movie, like black and white films. Probably. It was a Groucho Marx, I think. Marx Brothers. Yeah, Marx Brothers. All right, we're out.